right, welcome back to the I Am There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny, and we have a special guest today, an old-timer and one of my close friends back in the day in Yu-Gi-Oh!, Tommy Rowe. Uh, he is a well-decorated Yu-Gi-Oh! player, uh, one of the, honestly, one of the best, especially during the 2016, like, the BA for GA era, that whole time period when Monarchs were reigning, mm-hmm. Cosmo, all of that stuff. He uh, got second place at Nationals in 2016, I believe. Losing to Eric in the finals with the Monarch deck. You're playing BA, right? Yeah. And uh, he also won the ARG championship, I feel like, that year, too. Yeah, right, right. It was like a month after. Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy That was a crazy year for you. Like, going to Worlds, <laughs> winning the ARG, which is like a fucking $25,000 tournament or something like that. Um, obviously, a, a bunch of YCS tops in there, ARG tops, all that good stuff. So everything that you would want for somebody who plays the game, like all the success that you could want. Um, and recently, you just this past weekend actually topped the remote duel uh, YCS. Yeah. <laughs> so that's your first tournament back, or first YCS back, I should say. And how many years? Like six. I think um, the last YCS I played in was the one I played you in in Atlanta, where Holy I got shit. second. Yeah, that, I got that was literally the last one. <laughs> so it's funny. Me and Tommy have a history. Uh, Tommy has stopped me from winning two tournaments. <laughs> I was going to win another YCS Atlanta in 2016. I got third uh, playing Pepe the Bosch format, like that one tournament where they emergency banned everything. Tommy stopped me from winning that YCS because I'm 100% sure that with the power of black people in Atlanta, I was guaranteed to win that event. And then uh, Tommy also stopped me from winning ARG, what was it, Syracuse? Syracuse. Yeah, we played the grand finals, best out of five. And it was a fucking grueling Necrol's mirror match with Jen and Emptiness or some shit. Like, whatever was out back then. I forget all the stuff. But I know Genlock was a thing. I think Emptiness was randomly a thing, too, still. I don't know why I feel like that, but... Uh, crazy, Definitely was. Yeah, crazy format. It went to Game 5. And then I think, like, because we like we kept in Jen. And then Game 5, I feel like I ended up getting Genlock. And then Emptiness got flipped at some point. It was just like, GG, no re. But yeah, some good times. So he stopped me from winning two tournaments. So that's how I remember the kid. I fucking hate him. <laughs> so this is, is this this picture I'm looking at here? Is that the ARG where he beat you in grand finals? Yeah, the one where I'm wearing like hoodie? that. Yeah, that reddish pinkish hoodie is the one where uh, you can tell I I'm love not, this picture. You can tell I'm, I'm not the happiest. I love how angry you are in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> that is true to me. That is very true to uh, me. I'm, he a, I'm is a rager. Pissed. French was like, fucking sponsored by ARG. <laughs> I know, the right? <laughs> They're supposed to fix it. They're supposed to put the fix in. You already had a win, though. Yeah. You needed a win. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could not be mad at all. I was like, all right, I got second. I think second was like $1,000 or some shit. I don't know. I was like, I got second. It is what it is. Like, I actually misplay in game five out of fatigue because I remember our games were long. Like, I play generally, I'm a slow player. Like, I'm just not the fastest. And I don't mean like I intentionally slow play. But if anyone's ever played against me or watched me play, like I, I take a while to make my decisions. And so by the time I got to game five, mental fatigue and also having just played like, I, I think right before you, I played Nick Ma. And then before mm-hmm. Nick Ma, I played Tej. Now, mind you, I came to the tournament with these people. So literally, I played my entire car ride up to finals. And it was like those matches were very long and uh arg was like recording everything it's just a lot so after so many necros mirror matches and all that stuff you just get to the point where it's like fuck this i can't even think and yeah it was a good it was good though like i i had a lot of fun in that 2015 i guess like 2014 to 2016 era that was when necros first came out and like 
ARG was doing their own thing at the time. So you had YCSs, you had ARGs running concurrently. A lot of good players played back then. Like Hogan was still in the game. Billy was still in the game. Um, Jeff, like everybody. It was it's a really good time. Yeah, and I feel like ARGs doing the different lists, like every event made everyone so much better because you had to like make a new deck every time yeah. you went to an event. I forgot about that. I forgot to do their own list because at one point they like they made it where Necros, you had to play like different. Like there was no Trishula, I think. Yeah, like they just kept hitting it. Yeah, because I remember uh, the one ARG, it was in like Providence and you couldn't play you couldn't play Trishula. So we were doing shit like, you know, you could summon Valk and not have to clear your board. And then you like I was I came up with the idea. I ended up topping this one, too. And I think I got top four. I ended up coming with the idea to main deck puppet plant um, for my group, like my small group that I went with. It was like Corey yep. and someone else. And the guy who uh, I told the idea to like main deck puppet plant for that event, he ended up winning it. And so that was, a, and he was, he was also my driver. So, so it was like two ARGs back to back, one against Tommy Rowe and then losing in the finals and one losing in top four to the guy who I literally like drove with and everything and uh, using the puppet plan idea. So very interesting uh, period in Yu-Gi-Oh's history. But I do want to know, Tommy, because I, I never really talked about it with you, but like, how did you even get into Yu-Gi-Oh? Um, so... I think, like, I was into it a little bit, and then I saw the movie, and after I got that pack, like, I just, like, <laughs> kept trying to play my dad with, like, three cards for me, three cards for him, and eventually he just, like, took me to ARG Locals when I was, like, six or seven, which was in Lakewood. I was, like, their uh, first store, mm. and I just played there till I was, like, 14 every week, went to Locals. Even if I went out of town, I would just, like, make it for Locals. I was, yeah. like, addicted as a kid. And all my friends would go with me. But, like, they would always trickle out, you know, and quit. But, like, I just never quit, you know. Yeah, It was yeah. more fun to me than sports, and I was playing all these sports. Okay, so you are a sports kid. I, I did not do any sports as a kid. Yeah. Damn, I just realized you said you went to ARG Locals when you were, like, six or seven. That means, like, I don't even know how old you are, because you're going to make me feel like I'm older than your dad. <laughs> I'm 22. <laughs> Holy shit. See? So young. What the fuck? And it's crazy yeah. because... That means that six years ago, you were like 16. Um, but when we first were playing, you were like 15. Like, I think in this ARG finals picture, you're not even 16 here. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just, that's just, why I cashed out because I got like taller than too. <laughs> What'd you say, Tommy? That's why I like cashed out and quit because I was just like, I just got like 10 grand from the 25K and Worlds. I was like, yeah, I have so much money right now. I, I feel like I should just like take this and run. But For a teenager, now I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's different in adulthood. Yu-Gi-Oh! is much, much different in adulthood because like then you have money and you have resources. So it's not the same um, as far as like the that whole resource grind, at least for me, because like I went yeah. and became an accountant like right after. So I won a YCS before, while I was in college. And then right after I won the YCS, I graduated college. So the next like and, and my, like that was my first ever top. So right after that is when I started because, you know, it's like a mental break. After that, I started to top everything. And I was also working, so I had like money to go to pretty much every event, and then I got sponsored by ARG, and then I could really go to every event, and it became like a whole thing. But it's definitely a lot different than when like I was seventeen and going to an event, you had to like sell stuff and save up and figure out who you're well, driving that, with. That grind like motivates you though, because it it's like <laughs> like you have to ask everyone to borrow cards. Like yep. I remember even borrowing cards from Jim when I was like twelve. 
Um, it was so it was so nice when they started making broken structure decks. Like I got three Dark World structure decks and three skill drains in that like Dragon Duel picture. I got top four in. Yeah. At that YCS, and then the Chaos Dragon deck came out, and that was like free. You know, all you needed was three structure decks. Yeah. So it really helped. Yeah. No I want to ask a question real quick. So you said you won like two tournaments and got around twenty five k, and then ten k for another one. Well, you, no, you get five k for winning the twenty five k because it's like total prize pool. Okay, so how much did you say you you got at the end? Like over ten grand. I mean, so and then yeah. you said that's when you bounced. So now my yeah, question yeah. is because that's when you were in high school. When you went back to school, were you the man on the street? Like when you went back I mean, to school, like I'm fifteen, sixteen, I got ten k in my pocket. What's up? I was going to school out of state, so, like, yeah, I was just trying to become everyone's friend, and, you know, I made some, like, really good friends from being in New York, and it was, that's all I focused on, I was just like, now I just gotta do college, try to, like, socialize, get all the stuff I was missing, go into, like, a Catholic all-boys school when I was in high school. Oh, yeah, I did that, too. We have the same upbringing. <laughs> I went to a Catholic yeah. all-boys school. I was like, all this stuff I'm missing out, I gotta make up for it. What is, uh, did you buy anything significant with your money like your prize winnings in that that year that you quit like all of that money you had that was there anything that you just cashed out on i mean it's cool because like i bought a lot of my computer parts like my graphics card i got 1080 mm. ti that's like double you know and i got a mac but i broke that i got like a two two hundred dollar toothbrush mm. i still have that <laughs> which is pretty sweet is that a sonicare it's oral b okay like the black one nice nice <laughs> So, I mean, I, I tried, but um, so stuff comes up with buying cars and all that. So, like, yeah, yeah, you run out of money being a college student quick. So, oh, yeah, I, I already I was going to ask, like, how fast did you blow through that fucking 10K? <laughs> that money had to go quick. I, I'd spend money really bad. I'm terrible. Yeah. And plus, I get like I go to anime conventions and I get figurines. And shit, so yeah. Like, and if you have any kind of collector in you, if because most Yu-Gi-Oh players do, right? We like collect collecting shit. And that's expensive. It's just an expensive hobby. I was so bad with that when I was younger. I don't really buy collectibles anymore, but man, do I have some fucking figurines. Yeah. Those are collectibles. What do you mean? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't buy them anymore. Okay. You're, you're off the game. Was, yeah. Yeah. Between, between like 18 and I want to say 24, I bought a lot of figurines and collectibles. Like, I have a bunch of One Piece shit like Alki G and, and Ace and Luffy and a whole bunch of crap. I got like a... Like a three foot, four foot tall Ganon statue. That's heavy as hell. How much was that? That was six hundred, six oh or seven hundred. I bought it. I bought it in New York. I went to uh, I went to the Nintendo, the Nintendo store in New York, with uh, Anthony and our other friend Izzy, who's a doctor. So we're there. We went there on the train at the time. They all lived in Philly. We went there on the train. Blah blah blah. Go to the Nintendo store, and they have this like big-ass Ganon statue. I swear it weighs like 20 pounds. And I was like, hey, how much is that? And he was like, we only have one of them. I was like, well, how much <laughs> is it? <laughs> and he was like, it's like 600. And then he kind of moved on, and then I went into my wallet, and I was like, I'm gonna buy it. And he looked at me, and I had I had it cash. I was like, I'm buying it cash. I handed him the 600. I was like, I'm buying that. Like a drug dealer. <laughs> and he didn't believe it. So anyway, he boxed it up. I literally carried this fucking statue around New York. I carried it onto the subway all the way all the way home from New York to Philly, carrying this big ass box. Damn. Awesome. 
Yeah, I've never been into figurines like that. I got a couple pops or whatever, but I've never really been big into them. But I definitely had a thing for cards as a kid. And then obviously that went into being an adult and still having a ton of cards. And even now I still have too many cards. Like I, I've been selling stuff because the prices on cards, as you know, Tommy, has just gotten out of control. Yeah, that's what's gotten me into it, too, because I, now it's like I just regret selling all my cards oh my when I was God. younger. It's crazy, right? The, <laughs> yeah. Theoretically, no one should have ever sold a single card ever. Right. Like, like I sold my Minervas for 500 each. I sold my Minerva that I got for third place for 950 on the on the spot. Like I sold yeah, me, too. I got 950 one. on the spot and it is worth thousands now. Yeah, even the giant hands. I remember people buying them for like three hundred at Nats. I don't even know what that but I'm, I'm sure it's disgusting. Thousands, yeah, like yeah. every card. And then I sold my ultra rare prize cards. I'm not even going to say how much I got from my ultra rare, like winning a YCS ultra rare. I had the um the dark fairies, which is like yeah. technically three prize cards. <laughs> and I know, and like I got compared to what they're worth now, I got nothing. Like I got absolutely nothing. No. It doesn't make sense, dude. I don't know if it's like the Logan Paul stuff or what, like, just changed everything for couple, to, it to go up so much. I think it's a combo. I think it's a couple things. Yeah, like what Kenny's saying. Um, like Kenny, Kenny, what do you think the combo is? Because I have, I have my suspicions. I think, I think a big. I think Logan Paul played a part just because he's gigantic on the internet, yeah. and he he was walking around. He had like a first edition Charizard like around his neck. Yep. Uh, walking around with that, and then also just like COVID and yeah everything that happened during the recession everybody being at home and like the prices of all the the prices of a bunch of collectibles went through the roof yeah, and i think it was just a big combo so of, here's what i think um to piggyback off what you're saying i think that definitely uh logan paul and like other collect like high-end collectors because it, it wasn't just him it was like other people too like logic i think had a charizard or something as well yeah i mean even random youtubers i see yeah, they random, all have collections now random must, twitch streamers must colluded but it's that, but it's also the fact that there was so much "quote unquote" free money being given out in 2020. Yeah, yeah. So everyone was getting six hundred dollars extra who was like unemployed. And I'm using air quotes here because I know a lot of people were not actually unemployed, but they were still getting the unemployment assistance. Um, so a lot of people were getting extra money, like more money than they've ever seen. Because if you worked a minimum wage job, and let's say you quit your job and you got fired from it during the pandemic, well, now you make like more than double of your actual salary if you worked at that job because of the extra 600 a week and then you know obviously unemployment on top of that so you're getting like $2,400 a month plus your actual unemployment so that was more money than most people had ever seen obviously people don't know how to like what to do with their money just kind of like buy whatever the fuck they've ever wanted and being in the house all the time seeing youtubers and like twitch streamers showing their nice ass collections people started to buy collectibles also at the same time people who had a lot of disposable income uh, did a, there definitely was collusion to just like buy out certain cards. And then once you buy out, like for example, Starlight Appaloosa is a card that went up to like $1,200. And when that card got bought out, it's like, well, now there's none on the internet. So whoever has them just sets the price. So if they just set the price at 1200, then like that is the price of Appaloosa now, Starlight. Yeah. And they do. I mean, the price card, if I win this remote YCS, uh, the last sale for the ultra price card was 11 grand. That's so crazy. it's like, yeah, it's it's a whole different game now, you know. Yeah, like, it's at, so there's money in Yu-Gi-Oh now. Actually, yeah, like, it's not it's like winning. Cool. Winning a YCS is a legitimate. Like that's a lot of money. Like the eleven thousand for playing Yu-Gi-Oh over the weekend, especially a remote duel where it's like you play in your room. Like I could play right now. 
and uh, notoriety. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's how Pac blew up right after he won. It is actually his Pac. Yes, like yeah, I think he's the biggest like online Yu-Gi-Oh player now. Yeah, have me start playing again. I'm gonna start cheating. He's such a nice dude too. He would fit right in. I'm gonna start cheating. I'm in there. There's so many uh, stories where remote duels. Yeah, I mean this like this event I played in though it was pretty chill. I mean like there was one person that might have cheated against me, but didn't really matter. And like the way cutting your opponent's deck just helps out so much. It's like, what do you mean? As long as how I, do you how do you cut your opponent's deck on a remote duel? Well, you just tell them what to do. So like if I tell you to use like pile shuffle into three piles, like you're gonna have to pile shuffle into three piles. Oh, and then so if I tell too- you. Like before they draw, if I tell you put the bottom card on the top of your deck, like they have to do that, you know. Okay, I, oh, I like you. that. So it's like, like anyway, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you just like give random commands, and they just have to oblige. Yeah, and you know you can feel it out if you think they're stacking their bad cards mm-hmm. to the bottom, you can punish them. So yeah, no, it's cool with me. That's I like that a lot. I didn't know that you could do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I had a great time. I mean. Um, the only time I called a judge was on a judge, which was like funny, but it's just because he was lagging a little bit, and I was just like, I, I, I'm too afraid of this. Yeah, but it all worked yeah. out. Uh, the other yeah, thing, go ahead. Can I was just going to say that's when the search results for sleight of hand goes up. They're going to be like, oh, you going to tell me how to cut? Watch this. <laughs> that's when search results for sleight of hand starts going up on Google. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was going to say is for the remote duel. So you made top sixteen, right? Yep. But you guys don't actually play it out until January. Yeah, it's re- I thought it was two weeks, but I guess it's six. Like it's after it's a long Washington. time. It's after Pasadena, right? No, it's a week before. Okay, because I was going to say if it's after Pasadena, I you think? Can... Okay, well you're probably right because I don't waiting after Pasadena seems a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I. What Pasadena is the 14th, though, right? It is. It's the 14th. And the okay, 15th. yeah. I just got the Vegas mixed up because that's on the 28th. But yeah, you're right. That's that's a week before. Okay, so you're playing. You're going to play out the top 16 of the YCS remote duel bef- the week before Pasadena. No, after. Oh, it is after. I was right. Yeah, you're right. You're okay, right. Yeah, okay. I, I got the two. Um, so you, I'm going to Vegas too. So yeah, well, yeah. I'll, you'll see me at all, every. I'm going to everything. Um, I'm not Let's playing. Go. I'm not playing, but I'm just like I'm going to have fun. Yeah, I mean, I did that. I flew to Atlanta just to, yeah. you know, have fun. I know everyone. Like, I know literally every Yu-Gi-Oh player who, like, is my friend. You know, all my friends and stuff. I haven't seen you guys in years. Like, I haven't seen you in years. But that's why I was so amazed by, like, coming back. Like, people are just so nice. And, like, yeah. they've helped me out so much. Like, it's it's really all love, too. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah, I, I was really happy to see you come back. I was surprised at first because I know the first thing you went to, shout out to Rocky Mountain Collectibles. Um, yeah, Ellis, big Ellis, shout out. Yeah, Ellis is really <laughs> killing it with his case tournaments and just the the charity support that he's been doing and just honestly helping the players out. Like he offered to fly me out just to do, I told Ellis, I was like, I do not even play Yu-Gi-Oh. And I was like, I don't <laughs> want you to like waste money flying me to uh, Denver, Colorado. And I don't even play. And he was like, you could just do the commentary. Like just literally, I want you to just get on Twitch and just commentate the whole thing. And I was like, damn, like you're willing to fly me out just to commentate. Like that I, I should have done it. I know I should have, but I was <laughs> like, damn, it's like I it was really short notice. And yeah. I forget what was going on with me at the time, but it was like really short notice. And I was like, damn, I really want to come. I'm gonna make it out there for sure. But um I just couldn't make it at the time. And yeah, I mean Ellis will fly you out short notice. Like uh, yes. so they they shipped me cards and the Friday, like I still didn't have the cards that they shipped me. So he's just like, I'm going to fly you out. And then I was like, I don't know if Ty's going to be down for that, for that, my girlfriend. Yeah. 
And uh, he's like, I'll just fly you both out. And then he's like, look up the flights. And it's like, we have a final and everything. So I'm like, just trying to like, see if I can do it. And I end up doing it. I fly to Colorado. He gets me all set up. <laughs> that is absurd. So he's like, I will fly you out. And you're like, it's a problem with my girlfriend. He's like, I'll fly her out too. Yeah. And I only needed five common cards and like a lightning storm. So it was like... <laughs> Wow, that's that is honestly that's the most baller fucking sponsor shit I've ever heard in my entire life. I know. I have never heard anything like that. It gets you so motivated too to do well. Yeah, like that's if I, I came it. back, I would want to be sponsored by somebody like that. Yep. Is he sponsoring sure. people? Yeah, I mean I'm sponsored. Um Chris is sponsored, Pat's on the team. Yep. Um Matt Ames, um, and like just some more local people. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. So it's like you, Patrick Hoban, and Chris LeBlanc. Yeah, nice. That's already a fucking that back in the day, especially. That's a crazy team. Yeah, I mean, and it's like Pat came back, and you know, he made a deck that no one's ever played, or yeah. like, you know, like he's still making stuff that's ridiculous. I mean, he doesn't test that much, but he's still like yeah, thinking he's outside the scope. Exactly, because right now the meta in the United States is pretty much the meta that it was in Japan. And like you got, you know, it's 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 virtually the same things. Like Source Soul is like one of the best decks right now. Then like the Lyrilisk stuff is what they've already done. And now they're playing like PK Brave over in Japan. And uh Pat came in and immediately just started making like PK Dragon Link fucking all kinds of crazy weird shit. Yeah, he's and, been playing this Despia deck that's like wild. Yeah. Just uses Fusion Destiny like better than any other deck. Eventually he's gonna land on something that's just a YCS winning deck. Yeah, that's what I think too. Because it's just that's how he is. Because like his yeah. decks, his decks are very. They're always that polarizing. They're like, like when he won the one YCS undefeated with Shadal with like triple super poly. It was like, well, either you're going to absolutely destroy every opponent, or you're going to like just be out the tournament pretty quick. Yeah, and super poly's still at three. So that card's crazy. It's still insane. Yeah, your opponent cannot respond. Like what? <laughs> yeah, I want to play it in something. A quick play one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the original uh, Forbidden Droplets. Because <laughs> you can't. How is that still at three? I remember that card from ever ago. Yeah, it got it got banned, I think, and then it came yeah, back, definitely. and now it's at three somehow. I don't know how they decided that it should go back to three, but the card is absolutely sickening. And yeah, it's at three again. Somebody's gonna, <laughs> somebody's gonna do something with it. Yeah, it show why it should be banned. Yeah. Like, I think Dragoon is, is probably slept on a little bit, too. I know people don't like to play it because of the package that comes with it, but I just have to imagine that that card is still absolutely nuts. Like, it's not played at all right now, but I don't know how long that's going to last. It's only going to take one person to find a deck that can, like, play it and just... Or if you just go second, you just kill the person. Well, and in March, like, fusions just get so overpowered because this new card's coming out. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> The fusions, the wave, Destiny Heroes. I know, like Japan. I think I saw some Japan deck lists recently, and they were playing heroes. You're all yeah. Heroes. Fusion Destiny is banned. I'm pretty sure they just had a new list. Yep, and they were they were in it, and all the deck lists that I saw were all hero decks. I was like, oh shit, here we go. Also, <laughs> they all play like mass heroes now, right? They play yeah, they play mass heroes, and they play they play some other shit too. Like there's heroes have gotten so ridiculous as you can imagine over time. Like they got power crept out of this world. And yeah, when I was looking at the deck list, I didn't know some of the cards they play. So someone who's better than me would have to like tell me like, oh, that's this is so broken or whatever. Yeah. I have no idea. They don't, they don't play fucking Wild Edge. 
No. Uh, play, <laughs> but, but I see I see malicious and I was like, hey, this this card, every single time malicious is playable, it's outrageous. Like yeah. every time every format where malicious has been a playable card has been absolutely bonkers. Like Goki was the last time, I think. And that deck was insane. Like one of the best decks of all time. It looped your entire hand turn one and set up a, a U-Link board so you couldn't even play. And that was I mean, uh, Verte is such a ridiculous card too. Yeah. It's just free polymerization, like that that's never been a thing. Yeah, yeah, that has to go. I think that that is such a problematic card. Like above all else, Verte Anaconda is so absurd. Yeah, executions are busted. Yeah. What did you uh I guess I, I didn't even ask, like what did you play for the YCS? Uh Sword Soul. Okay, so I, I think that's one of the best decks for like someone that's trying to get back into the game too. That yeah. played before. Silverman is currently testing um, Yu-Gi-Oh right now because he has to. He's playing in YCS Pasadena, or he thinks he is. He's not sure, hundred percent, but he like feels like he might. And he said it's a chance for him to go back to back because he actually won the last in-person YCS. Really? Yeah, he was on. Wasn't it Pasadena? It, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was it him, did. Scott Page, and Dominic Couch. Oh yeah. So yeah, he, I played Dom in uh, top thirty-two. Oh shit, you knocked him out of top cut? Yep, he protosed me for water too, so it was kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, so he knew what you were playing. Yeah, and it's just like his board just seemed so unbreakable and I broke it. So it was it felt so sweet. <laughs> Holy shit. That is uh so I I don't want to ask specifics about like your YCS experience because you still have to play top cut. Yeah. So. I mean, I can tell you like objective stuff. I mean, 9 out of 16 of top is sword soul. It's like pretty interesting. Nine out of sixteen, so more than yeah. half of the top cut is actually just source old mirror matches, basically. Yep, and it's a lot of fun deck, like well, not fun decks, but like um, lesser played decks. Like, yeah, I uh, heard the, the funders. Patrol. Yeah, plunder. numerons. Wait, what? Numeron. Yeah, like I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I haven't I, really looked at it. But... <laughs> if you put those cards in front of me right now, I'll <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so I'm sure you're studying. Yeah, is uh. Is Sword Soul a fun mirror match, or is it a toxic mirror match? I mean, I played seven in Swiss, so I, and I won a lot of them. I didn't win a lot of dice rolls. I, I mean, I just feel like people... Well, for one, people are still trying to play Fusion Destiny in it, which is really bad to me. So, like, I feel like that gives me an advantage, but... um, I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's really good. I just thought of something. So, you, the, the top 16 is now a couple weeks away... Do you have to use the same deck list you used in yes. the first part of the tournament? Exactly. Yeah, exactly okay. the same deck. Oh, Even if there's a ban list. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, like they're locked. That tournament is like locked in. They're locked into whatever happened already. Okay. Yep. Cool. Cool. So yeah. no one's doing deck profiles. Like. Yep. Everyone's. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of money. Like I said, for first place, it's a big deal. Yeah. The trophies are sweet too. I want the whole eleven k. I would absolutely yeah. want the whole eleven, and uh, also just like winning a YCS is fun. Um, you know, I can't get second again. Like that would suck. <laughs> yeah, but if you win your first YCS back, that'll be crazy. You have a one out of sixteen chance of winning your first YCS back. Yeah, all I gotta do is go four zero. Yep, that's actually. <laughs> yep, <laughs> but the top sixteen, if I recall, it is stacked. Yeah, it's stacked. Um, I've never met the person I'm playing. Um, in top sixteen, so that's cool. One one interesting thing is Hani is playing his brother. Oh. So like there's two brothers playing each other I right did away. They both, I saw they both topped and I was happy about that because it could have been a finals, but I guess not. Mm-mm. Yeah. That actually so there was a brother's finals, I believe, like Faisal Khan. Yeah, Faisal. And, and I played him on the bubble for uh top two. Damn. Interestingly enough. Yeah. 
There's a lot of good people. Yeah, no, I saw Kamal went undefeated in Swiss. Uh, I saw Jesse Cotton topped, I think. I saw- I mean, it blows my mind. I try to tell my friends they got to enter, you know, it's just a free chance at yeah. doing well. You don't even have to fly somewhere. Yeah, no, it's it's honestly like if I'm doing a lot right now. So I re- I tell people I literally don't have the time because if I'm going to play you, I want to be super competitive. I was never a casual. So that for me, that means devoting a lot of time to it. And between being like having a full time job and also doing this podcast twice a week. And then we do like exclusive episodes for Patreon only. And just a lot of it, like just life in general, it's, it, it will be a lot for me to try to also add Yu-Gi-Oh to this. Yeah, I mean, it already has been for me. Like, I should yeah. be doing way more interviews, you know. Yeah. But I've been having too much fun. And it's been like too wild of an experience, especially with the Rocky Mountain situation. Yes. Yeah, no, awesome. I can imagine. It makes it, it definitely makes it a lot easier to get back in when you have somebody backing you like that, like on that level. That's definitely awesome. And everyone else is back. Like we never left like six years ago. It was the same exact people I was with. Like yeah. even Drew was at that event too. No, Drew is like know? one of my closest friends. He comes to my house all the fucking time. Like literally, I love Drew. I like everybody. Royce, like everyone. Yeah, he was he was the person I was guilting the most about not playing. I was like, you gotta play Drew. He's like, you know, even with Drytrons. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he loves his Drytron deck. I mean, that deck's super solid. I think it's just so underrepresented. I think it's, like, probably the second best deck. Yeah, I do think that it is rep- underrepresented, though. Like, no one plays it now, and it's not ne- the deck's not bad. Yeah, Protos is just such a... Oppressive card. Um, yeah, it's just, like, badly designed. Yeah. I- I'm surprised people didn't even play it before, because it's generic with three attributes. Yeah. Were you, were you laughing at Kenny? I'm just laughing at, like, the real blatant. It's It's... It's badly designed. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. What is Protos? So, um, Tommy, can you can you explain what Protos does? Because Kenny, I know Kenny doesn't know, and I kind of I remember it's like declare an attribute and then it can't be played. Yeah. Or so you have to declare Wait, an attribute. Wait, hold on. That- I'm sorry to cut you off. You see what Fraser just did? He did the whole. Fra- Fraser was like, "Can you explain for for that guy?" Just enough. I mean, I kind of know what it is. You know what I mean? I, I mean, look, I mean, I look, just, look, I'm, look, I'm, that guy. I go. Fraser don't know shit. I go to locals every Thursday and I literally watch people play and I watch them misplay and I don't even play the game. I literally, I'm like, that doesn't look right. Oh, that, that, you're probably right though. That's no, I, like no, the a lot of, part. a lot of times we'll be like, that isn't right. And I'm like, or like Silverman or somebody would be like, that just is not right. And I'm like, okay, I thought I wasn't, I could just tell like when something is going wrong. Yeah. That's why Nats feel easier to talk to me because i feel like you play more people that oh, like that Nats, you know i've topped naps like five years in a row and every single time <laughs> it probably was my easiest top all year yeah because you just play no one i play i don't think i played a named person at nationals until top cut yeah that's where i see the most misplays too just like plainly for my opponent yeah i remember i played sahabi the the year he won uh i played him in top 64 and he like top decked archery on me oh yeah. Yep. So it was disgusting. Like he's literally top decking, which I'm I'm panicking, heart beating fast. He's like the best card in my deck. Let's go. He literally top decks Archfiend. and I was like, holy shit. I would have been pissed. Yep. I was salty. Definitely salty for sure. Because that just feels disgust. Like he could draw so many bad cards, I-, I think, and then he just draws the best card instead. And I was like, well, I lose. Should beat him sooner. Yeah, I should have actually. I should have beat him sooner. I don't know how, but I should have beat him sooner. But uh, if you want, 
If you want, you don't have to. But if you want to explain that card, you can. I was fucking with you. Yeah, probably. Oh, okay. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it you have to declare an attribute that's already on the field. So like you can't declare light if there's no light. So and then it destroys as ma- as many of those on the field as possible. So everything. And your n- neither player can special summon that attribute until the next turn. So until your turn again. Oh damn! So it's like a cracked out tribe. But like the thing is, it can't be destroyed by card effects. So like, and it's dark. So naturally, you just call dark. So if you're playing a dark deck, you're just like, it's like they're, you're just always gonna get hit by Protoss randomly, which you know sucks if you're trying to play like PKs or something. Oh wow! So wait, you're also gonna get hit by light randomly. So you're playing Drytron because uh, you can make like cards like Omega or Ecclesia, and then just chain their effect, and then you get full value. So you need the attribute to be somewhere on the field to call that attribute. That's the first thing. But you don't have to destroy it. But you don't have to actually destroy it for it to resolve. So you can call no. light and then change something like Psychic Omega and then banish him. And then you'll still ban it. Like light can't be used now. Yeah. And then it just died next turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because like all these decks are like one attribute, like PK is dark. Dry, Drytron's light. That's why people aren't playing Drytron. It's just because of that card. Damn, so that card single-handedly is keeping that deck at bay. Okay, that's that's good to know. Mm. I never understood why. I thought that Drytron just got dropped mostly because Sorcerer was new, and I know how Yu-Gi-Oh players are. Mm. I, mean, I mean, Sorcerer is sweet because it doesn't... I think it bricks less than any other deck, and like bricking now is just really bad because you're guaranteed to lose if you brick. Yeah, it's that's very fun. unlikely that both of you brick. That's yeah. why they play prank kids now. That way you can't use that card on them. Yeah, oh print God. kids are probably way better than uh, it's getting represented too. Like just yeah. like Drytron. I saw print kids top something. I don't they top. They top both YCSs. Okay, so it, I'm not crazy. They did actually top both these remote YCSs. Yeah. Yeah, I think it got top eight in EU. Maybe yep. I just love how much people hate that deck. I still barely know what it does, so I'm glad it's not in top sixteen. <laughs> well, just... what I've learned is it just burns and gains life. Yep. And I always bring that up because time, the new time rule, Tommy, is probably the biggest change that you experience now from being an old player and going into like the new Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, the first event I played on, I lost because I just didn't know that was the rule. Oh shit! Yeah, so they called time and it just. <laughs> I was in main phase. Yeah, I played Red Reboot and I had game on board, but like I was just kept going, and then I was wondering why my opponent wasn't scooping, and it was obvious now. Like I was at four K. That actually sucks, Dick. Like really, yeah. Really. Uh, yeah, that's like why I didn't want to play. <laughs> Holy shit, that sucks. Yeah, so prank kids burns you, and it also gains life. And I was, I was telling people because it won a YCS. I think Pack actually won a YCS with it. Um, and I was saying that I feel like, you know, not not saying that he slow played or anything like that, but I feel like every time that that goes on a time, it just has to be game immediately because yeah. you do it during main phase. So you don't even have to enter battle phase to deal damage and gain life. It's kind of the same thing that fucking uh, what's that deck? Sky Striker, a bad deck. That deck does the same exact thing. It can gain life in main phase, and decks that can do that are just toxic because one, if you're dealing with somebody who slow plays you, it's just really, really like annoying and scary. And two, you it's you really can't even call them out on it. It's like well, that's what your deck does for one. Like it's built into your engine. You know what I mean? Like it's not even like yeah. it's not like somebody would- sided in a card. I would say the worst part about it is just for casual players, because like, if I don't know what your deck does and you're doing this full combo, I'm gonna have to read every card. Yep. So if my Sorcerer deck has Long Yawn, I get to burn you on my like if we go into time yep. because I was the one who's taking all this time reading all your stuff. So that definitely sucks for like people that 
play decks that no one knows what their cards do, and yeah. it would scare me to play those decks just because of that. Yeah, and Prank Kids, when that deck was, when that deck did win, I don't think there was any other deck that really gained life or dealt damage in main phase without doing something weird. Like it, it is like as part of its engine. So Sky Striker might have been played, but that deck was awful, and because I don't even think Engage was out at the time. Uh, but if, even if it was, Sky Striker is still awful. So Sky Striker is like pretty bad back then. They didn't have Fusion Destiny, probably didn't have Engage. Uh, so that deck could gain life, but like no one should be playing it. And then Phantom Knights, I don't think they deal any kind of damage in main phase. And Virtual World was the, another deck that was played. I don't think the deck does anything with damage. Like most of the decks could not do anything like that. But then Prank Kids, here's Prank Kids, which is actually a legitimate deck because all the cards do the same thing. Like all of the monsters lead into the other monster. So they're like gadgets. Yeah, I don't even think they played DPE too, because that's the only reason Sky Striker is good is because DPE is so easy in that deck. Yes, it, and Sky Striker likes to simplify game state. Yeah, and it's like well, Sky Strikers to me too are like a better spellbook deck yes. from like after Judgment got banned. Yeah. it's pretty much like the same exact thing. Yeah, it just whittles your cards down, and then once your once the game state simplifies, it's just going to beat you every time. Yeah, and that's like my least favorite deck of all time. Spellbooks with fate, like yeah. Just having that slow grind of losing all your cards over time. Drawing an extra card, draw a phase off the field spell. <laughs> yup. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, so what do you feel now that you're one of the people who came from what I would call like old Yu-Gi-Oh, where we were not special summoning like whole fields turn one and passing with like a crazy board. And now like the game is pretty much just do that or break the board um and also like the new time rules and stuff i don't know i feel like it's pretty similar because i feel like even in these formats people aren't figuring everything out and like the time constraints they have until like the next list yeah so it's like because i see goats exploded with like all these different decks like no one's playing the original goat mirror match you know and i feel like that would still happen like 10 years from now if people came to like this list or this format and they would say like why weren't people playing this so i mean it's it's really similar especially with the deck like sword soul it just feels just like real Yu-Gi-Oh. i mean the omni negates is something that like wasn't as accessible and yeah. it's like you just play through cards in a different way because it's like you know your opponent's trap cards now like definitively you don't have to read a set because it's like baron is the solemn judgment so like right so you that, know exactly what you have. Yeah, you know exactly what you have to do to break the board. You can see all of it. Yeah, and then there's only like six hand traps. So like, there was just like so many more trap cards back in the day that you would have to read. I feel like than the amount of cards you have to read now. Okay, that's a fair assessment, actually. Yeah, just with like the hand traps. And how do you feel about the? Because uh, one of the things I really like is that there's a lot of cards to help break these ridiculous boards. Now you have like Dark Ruler no more. You have Forbidden Droplet, you have like Evenly Match, Lightning Storm, uh, and a couple others, like cards that Nibiru, like the Prevenant, I guess, at that point. But like cards that just help to break these boards. Like, how do you feel about those ridiculous go second cards? I don't know. Yeah, it's like games two and three just don't even feel real because it's just, it seems so dependent on game one because those cards are broken, but it's like, that's why I feel weird that uh, people choose to side like going first cards and, you know, like, uh, hand traps because those going second cards all do the same thing and they're all pretty busted to me yeah like evenly matched i mean it's like too much value for one card and it does like you know dark ruler no more they pretty much do the same thing but like you have six now so 
I think all those cards are insane, you know? Yeah, they just helped to make the game, like... Because, okay, there was a period that you and I both missed, but I was judging regional, so I I was around it. It was the, like, Thunder Dragon format, and it was also the Danger format, and they kind of merged at one point. It became Thunder Dragon Danger. But that... And then also Goki, I would say. Those decks literally turn one with, like, summon so much shit that you couldn't play the game, you couldn't search your deck, because, like, Colossus was a, was a extra deck monster that so your opponent can't like search and then they would have a bunch of other link monsters and shit so you just couldn't play and but there was no dark world no more there was no um there was nothing like, there was literally nothing you just had to like hold that so when somebody went first and they opened the nuts it was pretty toxic i was saying 2018 like that 2018 2017 era and now even though people can still create these crazy ass boards like source souls first turn board is pretty ignorant overall like it's it's game if you don't respond to it and yeah but like it also, I've seen Sorosol lose a lot after they establish a big board, and that board just gets broken. Really, like I just broke your board. Now I'm now I'm playing with the same board you just had in the mirror match, but yours is gone. You have like a Moya in your hand, but I'm just gonna fucking negate it, and you lose. And you and you can still make deck calls, like because these cards don't do exactly the same thing. Like Dark Ruler, if you have like two trap cards, then you're gonna fare better. If you have hand trap, but evenly, it's like you want more hand traps, and then cards on the field. So it's like. You can't like everyone chooses usually two, like only two out of three. Like they're not playing Lightning Storm evenly and Dark Ruler. Right. So I think having like all these cards that do stuff that's slightly different is only better for the game. Yep. Uh, what was I going to say? So to kind of go in a different direction here, uh, did you used to watch the Yu Gi Oh anime at all? Yeah. Well, like I said, I went to the movie, but I haven't like rewatched it ever. Okay, but when you were which, growing up, did you... Uh, which movie was that? Um, I don't know. I think it was the original one. Just, like, with uh, Yugi vs. Kaiba. I, okay, like, at the opening. Okay. I, the one that I remember is the one where you got, like, Blue Eyes, Shining Dragon, and Pyramid of Light and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was all in the pack. The okay, pack, so you right? got that Pyramid of Light, right? Yeah, that's what I remember. I remember that being and, a movie. Yeah. And like the different like Sphinx monsters or yep, whatever. Yep, yeah, yep. Thenin, like Thenin the Great Sphinx. Yeah. I love GX too though. That's you like look a, like a fucking person that would like GX. Yeah, GX was sweet because it was just like that's all you wanted was a school where you could play Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh like, my god, Duelist Academy. That would be so broken though, like a real life Duelist Academy. Yeah, it's like that's all I wanted. <laughs> Cause yep. we didn't have anything. I was playing on the DS game to you know, play Yu-Gi-Oh! outside of locals. Yeah, and those typically didn't even follow the real rules. Yep, you just had to play these, like, um, weird, like, uh, established game state games to figure out how to OTK them. Yeah, I used to like that, too. The dual puzzles, you, like, solve yep. them. Yep. Now everything's just a dual puzzle. It is. That's how it feels. It is. Like, That's why I really just dual puzzles. People who played back then in those <laughs> DS games and broke the boards are better now. Like, you, <laughs> you fucking used to break boards for a living. It's just like, okay, this is nothing new. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird. I don't know if it's like people still just like, um, everyone just likes playing what they like to play, I feel like, in Yu-Gi-Oh! And everyone's so nice in the community now, like, people weren't as mean as they were when I played. Yeah, we were definitely, uh, the community that I grew up in was much harsher as far as, okay, so, to be specific, when I went to YCS Atlanta 2010, and the player meeting, because this is back when I used to do player meetings, so I'm a true boomer here. Uh, back in my day, uh, <laughs> they used to do player meetings, so everybody just sat down in front of a person who had like the same last name, so I would just be surrounded by Smiths, basically. Anyway, 
And during the player meeting, one of my friends turns around. He says, Frazier, what are you playing for this event? And I was like, I'm playing Gravekeepers. And he was like, why do you always do this to yourself? And I was, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man. McCabe convinced me. Like, I think the deck is good. Like, I, I don't know. But it made me really feel bad. Like, I felt genuinely awful when he said that. Because I was thinking to myself, like, everyone here is playing uh, X-Sabers and Plants. And, and like, there's some, black, uh, there's some black ones and there's some light sworn, sworn sprinkled in. But for the most part, the best decks at the time for that event, people thought anyway, were X-Sabers and Plants. And here I am playing this fucking janky, like, Gravekeeper deck that literally no one in the room is playing this shit except our little group. And at the time, I, I had gone to YCS before, and I would play, like, stupid shit, and I would just not do well. And so he said, like, why do you always do this to yourself? And, like, immediately, like, my fucking, that, that sinking feeling happened, like, where you feel it in your chest. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, why do I always do this? Like, here we go. I played, like, round one. I win. Played, like, the next couple rounds. Like, I'm doing well. And then I end up winning that event. And then it's just, like, a funny thing where... If you, I feel like if you listen to people and like their really harsh opinions sometimes, because even before that event, like I almost got talked out of playing the deck. And just like there's been other events where I did well and people tried to talk me out of the what I played and like not to be results oriented, but I feel like when you know, when you have a conviction in something, when you know that like your deck is good or you're confident that your deck is good and you know what, at least you know what you're doing, you know your matchups. If you're comfortable with that, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing that deck for the, for the tournament. Yeah, I would prefer that than like, doing what everyone else says because i mean that's what i did for this event my friends were all telling me different like opinions and like yeah they probably like play bird up it's the best deck and it's like i don't feel comfortable playing that deck though or just yeah with like playing more consistency cards i mean like everyone's addicted to hand traps for example like people love them yeah that's so weird to me you know that that wasn't like like and I don't we we just didn't play hand traps when like in that pendulum YCS that we both topped oh, you know, zero not, zero not everyone was playing three max C even like yeah I didn't play single max C anywhere forever. on my deck list <laughs> yeah you know these cards were still broken like back then or mm-hmm. as good as they were now but it's just like this attachment or whatever just like the history of events maybe hand traps were just way better in a format and i just like didn't play that so i don't have like the same opinion so yeah what happened uh i think when pac won his ycs the remote duel one uh with prank kids uh he played 15 hand traps i want to say and that whole format surround so after that after that happened and like i guess right before it everyone was playing 15 hand traps and that was when i first came back to Yu-Gi-Oh. i started going to locals it was in the summer of this year so I started going to locals again, and every deck was just like three Ash, three Vela, three Imperm, three Nib, uh, like three Gamma. Like that, that was pretty much every deck that I saw playing was just playing so many hand traps, and everyone was so used to it. But I, I was saying like one, it's really annoying when you go first and you just brick because your deck is fifteen, like fifteen of yeah, are you're hand gonna traps. brick. <laughs> so you brick, but then like Prankers have the broken thing where one of their monsters is full combo, so. It makes sense that that deck can get away with it more than a deck like Drytron, where Drytron, it does not have a single one-card combo. Not one. It, all yeah. of its combos require two cards minimum. So if Drytron plays 15 hand traps, that deck fucking sucks. And me and Drew would talk about this often, like, on the rides home from locals, like, yo, I think that you're not supposed to even play hand traps in Drytron like that. Like, I think that you just play just play Drytron and, and play, like, boards, cards that crack boards and stuff, but don't actually play 15 hand traps. Like, yeah, because, I mean, when you're playing those cards, it's just... And you're, like, I've had times where opponents hand-trap me three times and still lose, and I'm like, you literally opened all of them. So it's like, you can't open one, 
you can't open three, you have to open two is how it feels most of the time. Yeah. Like you one to, second. You definitely need to open two, which I don't like that. I do not like those odds. I don't like that. You have to open two and you also have to obviously know when to use them because a lot of people just throw their hand traps out. Yeah. And cards are so powerful now. Like you're literally just, your effect failure is literally just negating one effect. Like, yeah, I don't know. The value is just not there. Like they still keep their monster. It's weird. Yep. And then keeping their monster results and I'm turning it into a fucking anaconda. Which turns yeah. into at the time it turned into Dragoon, and now it's turning into an even more ridiculous thing, fucking DPE. Yeah, so like the cards are just more situational than people give them credit for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like, oh, okay, you stop my play, I'll just summon a second monster, summon Anaconda, make DPE minus the E, and now you're just yep, getting. I agreed. Yeah, you're just getting DP now. It's really bad. I don't know what they'll do for this ban list though, because it just seems like, like. I don't everything's in the spot they want, but I do think they'll ban Protos. But is Protos banned weird. at all in Japan? No. I don't even know if they play it. I don't yeah, think they play it. I feel like that's an American which thing. Which makes no sense to me. Yeah, it might be an American thing. Uh what about so I know we talked about this briefly on Facebook, but there is also Artifact Scythe is pretty problem problematic, I would say. And because you I mean you have to you have to stop it right there. Yeah. Like, if they have it, you have to stop it immediately. Otherwise, it's the same as you, somebody going Protoss, basically. You lose. Um, Scythe is annoying. I think that uh, Fusion Destiny is not getting touched, obviously, because it's coming out in a pack soon. So, mm. you can imagine that Fusion Destiny is just going to stay, no matter what the ban list is. Like, that card is just going to be here. I mean, TCG doesn't hit a lot of stuff, right? Lately, like during the pandemic, they have not hit anything harsh, like too harshly. They've made sure that every deck is still like Prank Hits got hit, and they just, you told me they just taught both YCSs. So, yeah, because it seems like they just want every deck to be playable. They made Sky Striker playable again. They gave it an, just one engage back. Like, they definitely want the decks to be playable, even if they aren't necessarily what we would consider good, but they're still playable. And um, I don't know if they're going to take that information and keep it. Like, I don't know if that's just a pandemic remote duel thing, or if the first event, when events come back in real life, if they'll be as lenient on decks as they have been during these last two years. Because one of the ban lists literally banned or like limited one card. Like there was a ban list that came out in 2020, and I feel like they literally touched one or two cards on it. And we were all just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, like even with Scythe, I see so many people complaining about it, but I don't see it do like, insanely well yeah you know i don't see topping everything or winning events yeah but then i'll see people playing three chalice and i'm like what the fuck like i knew i knew the game was in a weird place when i saw people making three like ulti chalice i was like are you playing that because you want to play a 300 dollars card or are you playing it because it's good yeah because all you need is three cards to play so you get to choose what they negate like you're forcing a baron negate on this one card so all one for once i mean it's kind of like a worse emperor yes um yeah, the game is um, definitely interesting space. What were you going to talk? I want to ask you guys a question because you guys just said something that kind of made me think of something. Do you feel that it's weird that Yu-Gi-Oh's formats are still separate between the regions? Like, I, I wish that Japan and America, for example, had the same ban list. Their cards did the same thing. They also, I, I guess, it's hard for them to come out at the same time. But it's weird that I don't know a single Japanese player. I don't know the name of a single Japanese Yu-Gi-Oh player. And I think it'd be cool like how you have in other games, you have those battle of the regions and shit. Yeah. And you, you can't really get that in Yu-Gi-Oh because y'all are just playing different games. Yeah. yeah. I think Master Duel is going to change that. And, you know, that's why they probably won't do it, change it ever again here. But Master Duel will probably fix that. 
That's right. a good point. I don't even think about Master Duel uniting the regions. Like that's a really good point though. Yeah, because it's just all in the same stuff. I mean, Duel Links is all the same format, for example. Uh, I would so like it's already that. a precedent for it in Duel Links. Yeah, yeah. Then I mean, I would like that because it's weird, and I imagine it's true for a lot of American players, and it, I know it's got to be true for Japan players. Like all the Japanese players, they don't know, they don't know Tommy Rowe, Fraser Smith, Patrick Hope, and Billy Brick. You know what I mean? Like they don't know all of these names. They might know some of them, but it's a different culture too. Like I mean. My um one friend here, he's a teacher and he's from Japan and he played there. But like he said, the atmosphere is just so much more um casual to have fun. Like we're just going to play like one of like cards we like, you know, like one mm. lightning storm because it's cool. Or that <laughs> feels yeah. good. I like so it's that. Just, yeah, it's just really different. Yeah, they're less like, competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just it's interesting. Um, But you I, know what? They wouldn't be less competitive. If, if if Fraser Smith and Tommy Rowe got on a plane and went to one of their tournaments and housed everybody for three tournaments in a row, <laughs> I guarantee they wouldn't be less competitive. They they'd start putting some shit together. They'd mix something in the kitchen. All right. Yeah, the Japanese have known to be good too. Uh, we see that at Worlds all the time. I mean, they they perform really well in general, and then typically the U.S. performs pretty bad. Yeah, I just I. <laughs> I don't know. Worlds is such a weird format, though. It's like, I almost feel like at Worlds, you have to make weird things, like weird calls like that to play these one-offs that might just be broken. And, like the high-variance cards is what I'm saying. So, yeah, like for me, um, one of my mistakes I felt like for Worlds was just treating it like everyone would try to play the best deck because it was a lot of, like, rogue. Like, yes. way more rogue than I expected. And... Now was it rogue? So was it rogue on behalf of the uh, foreign players, or was it rogue? Yeah. Okay. And and an Australian player. Okay, so they play rogue. Played. What was the format for your worlds? Uh, it was like blue eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was every got to like, the finals, right? Yeah. So like, I tested every day with Noah for like like an insane amount of time, mm. like up to that event. And BA would beat blue eyes like ninety percent of the time. It was just like so unfair. Because he just kept beating me with it when I was trying to play Blue Eyes. So I was like, I have to play this deck because I just feel like I won the event. But then I played like Magic Specters, Monarch BA, and just pure Monarchs. And it was just like blowouts, um, two of the matches. And then I drew with the BA Monarch because the language barrier. He just didn't understand that we were both not top. So. Oh, wow. So yeah. one of you would have topped if you won, maybe? Oh, 100%. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it really sucks. And the, but like, I still don't get too discouraged by it because like Bowden was playing um, Blue Eyes, for example. He's really good. He went 05. So oh like, my lord. Yeah. So it, it was a weird format. Um, I liked it a lot though. Yeah, and then the finals was Blue Eyes versus Blue Eyes, right? Yeah, and he wasn't playing three maxi, which blows my mind. The dude who won. Do you feel like that was mandatory at the time? Yeah, it was just like your opponent passes their turn. You know. So I wonder. How does the guy who doesn't play what you think is a mandatory card win the whole event? That's so interesting. And, and he's won worlds already once, so oh, like he's won who, twice. He like back the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, like so, like I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to worlds. That's how I feel I, with the Japanese well, players. I think, I think that no one does in this country. Like I don't think that anyone in U.S. or Canada <laughs> understands worlds, which is pretty much why. I mean, I know Sahabi won, but like I, I pretty much feel like no one in the U.S. understands. 
Worlds, like every single time, one, like it's definitely true that we don't send the best players and it's just the way our systems work to send people. It's just, I don't think the best, um, which really sucks. And you explain that real quick. Why, what would our system be? Why do we send bad players? So we're not the best players. Be quick. What'd you say, Tommy? So I'm going to go to the bathroom quick. Okay, go go ahead. Uh, So, so no, no, no. I'm just going to keep going. Is that okay? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So back in the day, the people who went to Worlds from the U.S. were just the people who did, uh, who got top six, I think, at nationals. So there was, you could let's say, let's say I won two YCSs, like Billy Brick in 2011 won two YCSs back to back, right? Yeah. Uh, for the entire year of 2011, if you added up all his tops, because he topped a ton that year as well, not just one two YCS, he also topped a ton. There's no question that in 2011, Billy Brick was the best player in the world. Yeah, he was killing it. Like, there's no question about that whatsoever. He's the best player, uh, just by like obviously all of his accolades. Like, he's proven it, his results, everything. Like, he's the best player 2011, no question. However, you would think like for 2012, what he did in 2011 should qualify him to go to the 2012 Worlds by default because he's just the best player in the United States. Is Worlds the top of the year? Worlds is actually in the summer. So, like, okay. when he won his two YCS, it was after Worlds. Okay, okay, okay. But even the way they do it now is... Yeah, so it's going into the new season, though, because it, it's already after... It, yeah, yeah, I exactly. got you. Exactly. So he won right after Worlds. So he start, yeah, he started, so he's starting a new season. Exactly. So, actually, he actually won the first YCS after Worlds. Okay. okay. We're just talking about how the old system was for going to Worlds. So I'm telling them that the top six people from Nationals went, which was a terrible system because... Someone like Billy Brake, who won two YCS in 2011 and like topped every single event in 2011, pretty much, uh, doesn't qualify for Worlds because he just didn't do well at Nationals, which is pretty silly. Like, yeah, that's silly. So the the first part is that unlike Magic, that has a a point system and like a a system of you do well consistently, you qualify for the Pro Tour, which then you like qualify for Worlds, and it just makes sense like that way. Um. Yu-Gi-Oh! was just like, this one tournament, if you're just lucky yeah. for this one weekend, like you go to World. So you don't necessarily have to be a good player, really, at all. And not to shit on anyone who's going to World. I'm not going to name anyone or anything like that. But I'm just saying, like, some people who we sent to Worlds, they that's all they've ever done, ever in Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, they've never been, like, before that Nationals, they've never done well. After that, they've never done well. Which is like that one thing, that one weekend. You And that, there's always going to be people who top an event. Yeah. Um, well, I don't remember. Was Nat's invite, or could you just go to Nat's? It was invite, but the invite was always a joke. Yeah, yep. I got mine from the YCS. No regionals for me. Yeah, like <laughs> not, the invite was pretty much you just go to a regionals, and if you're remotely decent, you will get an invite because they were giving it to like top sixty four. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At Philly, Philly, I remember that. I remember people talking about that. Like, oh, I got my Nat's invite, and they were like. You know, the top 64 or some shit. Yeah, like a Philly regional, because of how many people attend it, uh, you, the top 64 got invited. So getting an invite wasn't the hard part. It was just doing well on that particular weekend. And that shit is tricky because at just how Tommy's talking about Worlds is a lot of jank, Nationals is a lot of jank too. Like people show up to Nationals because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to get the invite, the di- uh, not the invite, the mat, the dice, and... Whatever, whatever other shit Konami gives out. Some people are just like, I'm just going because it's Nationals and I just have to go and I want to... A lot of people are like, I want to quit so I'm going to sell all my cards at Nationals, which is a great time to sell all your cards because it's, it's the end of a season and like a new, se- a new oh. ban, list, a ban list comes out typically. 
So what can end up happening at Nationals is you end up playing against someone round one who's playing some nonsense. Like in those first two or three rounds, you can just play some nonsense that your deck is legitimately not good against. How Tommy said he played at Worlds, a fucking Monarch BA deck, and uh, a Magic Spectre deck where none of the cards can be targeted by effects, which is like, no, that deck's not good. It's never been good ever. Like in any circumstance, that deck was never good. But against his specific meta call, it was probably one of the best decks against BA. So stuff like that is is kind of annoying you can just have a bad weekend like you just get unlucky for whatever reason and then someone like billy break who again won two ycs pretty much topped every ycs the prior year doesn't qualify for worlds and that is kind of silly then they changed it to something really toxic recently like in 2017 2018 they made this new system where uh it's a point system but the way it worked was every regionals gave you points if you top 32 the regional essentially and what this did was it made people who had the money and the availability to go to every single regional a saturday and a sunday every single weekend no matter where it was in the country just automatically go to worlds which is so dumb so it was it became pay to win or pay to pay pay to play worlds which is never the right way to like well, you got to be crazy too. I mean, you're going, you're driving to a different place every weekend. That's like, yes, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It's not even like some like sightseeing opportunity. You're just going to play Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, literally. Did, did any of the placements or anything uh, give you more? Like, if you won, if you got first, you got 32 points. points. If you got 32nd, you got one point. Okay. And it scaled, uh-huh. it was reverse scaling that way. So, second got 31 points. And the funniest part now is like it's been going for like over two years, I think, and people are still just playing in remote regionals, and the points are just still stacking up. So like, yes, oh my god, yeah. So that point system has been one of the worst things because it's not talked about often, but it is kind of like an inside joke, but it's really not a joke. But a lot of players who were grinding for worlds kind of fucked up their lives, like actually. They uh, like so, like there's a so, like there's a kid who literally dropped out of school. Um, people get sick because you're just traveling. So you know you need rest. Like people are traveling literally state to state, flying and taking Amtrak's and Greyhounds, and just like going place to place, sleeping hotel to hotel or couch to couch. So there's like a lot. There's a lot. It's a lot of money. You pretty much lose every like normal social relationship you have because your life becomes. Every single weekend, I have to be in a different place. That's so dumb. And, but no one's done it, really. <laughs> and, they should just have qualifiers. Like, they should just have, like, a YCS, for example, is a qualifier. If you win the YCS, you, you, get, you, you get qualified, right? Yeah. Now, the next YCS, if you win the next YCS, then the guy that comes in second place gets qualified. You know what I mean? Like, they could just have, instead of doing this crazy regional point system. Yeah, right? I'm sure that there's a much better system than even that. They could do a tournament yeah. like every month of the year, and then you know whoever has the most points in those twelve tournaments gets the two spots because yeah. at least that's like manageable. Yeah, for yeah. Who's really dedicated. I also think that so especially when YCSs were once a month. If I type, if I top like eight out of ten YCS, I feel like I should be in the running to go to Worlds that year. Yeah, like, unless someone did more, like they exactly won like it should just. YCSs. Exactly. Like it should just be a system based on how well you did that season. And it should, one, it should not count regionals. And the reason why I think regionals shouldn't count is pretty obvious, but I'll just say it anyway. There's fucking a ton of them. Regionals are yeah. locals. Regionals are locals. Like yeah, they aren't yeah. real. 
Yeah, like a regional has like for someone of like my skill level, like Tommy's skill level, for most of the good players, like regionals are just swinging your sword in a playground. Like it's, yeah, it's I got to play Gear Gear Tellers in one regional. See, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, like regionals are just like testing grounds to see like, oh, does this will this deck possibly work at a high level? But like, is you know, it's not even perfect information. It's just like I just want to see how it performs in the field. Like, you, yeah, you'll do well with it and still not like it. <laughs> yeah. You'll be like this. I would not win in a YCS playing this deck. Like you'll you'll top the you'll top the regional. You might even go and get first or second in the regional, and you'll be like, okay, but the situations I was in, if I were if the player was competent, I would not have won that game. Like, and I I hate that feeling when like you know you mm-hmm. lost, but the guy is just bad, so like you end up winning. It's like that's a good feeling to have when you're playing in a in a YCS, but when you're like testing a deck and you realize this deck is shit, <laughs> like like I should have lost the last two rounds. My deck is that bad. Yeah, I got discouraged early on when I was like 16 because of that. Like, I was just like a national and so I was 6 up or 5 0, and like people were just still mess playing versus me. And I was just like, wow, people just really don't care about this. And then I was like, why do I care so much about this? So then that's why I was like, you know, getting discouraged, unmotivated. Yeah, because you but, went out, you were doing really well. Like, when they said go out on top, like, you're one of the people, like, you, Pat, like, you guys went out at pretty much the top of your Yu Gi Oh careers. And it wasn't really discussed or talked about like you kind of just stopped playing i did the same thing like i just i just i don't know it's weird after that 2016 nationals that's when i started to quit like that was literally the catalyst of me like getting out of the game like i don't even know what really happened it just kind of like a lot of people just decided that that was it yeah for me i was just oh what were you gonna say i was gonna go on those i would go over fraser's house sometimes around that time and i'd be like randomly because i was completely out of the game Every now and then, I'd be like, yo, Fraser, like, you know, what's going on Yu-Gi-Oh? How's Yu-Gi-Oh doing? And he'd be like, I'm, I don't play that game anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had to tell people to be like, I'm done. Yeah, like completely. I mean, for me, it was like Fortnite was coming out, and like everyone on my floor was playing Fortnite, and I was always like good at shooter games. So then I just was like, I'll go hard on this instead because maybe I'll be able to make it. But that industry is like a hundred times more competitive. Yes, um, you're playing with everyone be- on the internet. Yeah, and like people who are really good, like that are just as good as like some pros that are famous, you know. Yeah. Um, they don't have any recognition because like they're just not out there enough, or their personality doesn't vibe with enough people, and it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. Some it's weird how some games that are competitive, just being good isn't good enough. You have you just also have to be popular, which is kind of kind of weird. More importantly, yeah, for sure. Because then now, you get invites to all the expensive tournaments. Now that said, did you get the Naruto skin? <laughs> the Naruto skin? No, I, I honestly, I played Apex more serious. I was Predator in that, and then I was Immortal and Valorant. So I was grinding those games. I was on a team with like two CSGO pros. I went to a tournament in Atlantic City. That's legit. Yeah, so I was all, I'm always addicted to games. Regardless. I never I never got into Fortnite, but I'm not going to lie. Part of me wanted to just boot it up to get a fucking Naruto skin. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I wanted the Rick skin bad. The what skin? The Rick one. Oh, from Rick. It looks so real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you um, try to make it pro in Fortnite? Um, no. So like Apex is what I gravitated towards because I just started playing that after. Okay. Because with with shooters, you have to bounce from shooter to shooter to get recognition. Because like right when it's up and coming, you want to be like one of the first people that are on the top of the leaderboard. Right. So, like, you gotta just, like, keep... Because your skills carry over to any shooters, like... Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just kept hopping from game to game, but, like, 
I make this YouTube video, YouTube for Yu-Gi-Oh, and it's like I get like ten times the views I did for that. So yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh is my home. <laughs> it's interesting. Did you Yu-Gi-Oh ever... is such a smaller community compared to the shooting game community too. Yeah, yeah but, but it's just less comp- less competition for, to be a personality. True. Yeah, and I already I grew up doing just like you know. Yeah be hard for someone that started especially with that regional thing imagine if you're a player that just started playing for like two years and then that comes out and you feel like you got to do that to like you know prove yourself prove you're on top i would feel bad for someone like that like you said someone dropped out of school because they just don't realize the incentive might not be there the regional points thing is really bad i i think i agree with what both of you said i don't think regionals should be counted at all because to me regionals really are just locals it's like fucking mk leo and mango just beating up somebody in their hometown like they don't matter um yeah if you go to a philly regional it's not going to have all the best players like it's not going to have all the best players whereas i feel like nats the national so to speak every every ycs is basically a national because i feel like a lot of the best players they'll fly out or drive out to a ycs yeah i think that it's very manageable to just have ycs's be the points first of all like yeah. YCS, like because th- that that is the premier event for Yu-Gi-Oh. That is the event. That's the prestigious event for us. Like that is our that is our big event every month. We you get, get a YCS per month, and if you're a competitive player, you can go to every single YCS. Yeah, those should just be. Uh, I didn't even know they did one every month. Like that, that's crazy. That'd yeah. be so doable. Yeah, because like the one thing about what's about to happen: Pasadena, and then Vegas right after uh, the next month, and then I'm sure that there's going to be something for March. When once we pass Pasadena, they're going to announce something for March. Watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it'll go back, and that's that's just part of. Hopefully, if this uh, panorama where and and it, you know the, the world can start to go back to normal, where they can feel comfortable planning events down the road as well, because like right now they're just doing two to see what happens with this Omnicron variant can just fucking decide yeah, that yeah. Con- convention centers are just going to be shut down, and maybe Pasadena doesn't even happen. And I hope. I don't, that, yeah, it amazes me they chose California for like the first one because it's such a harsh place as far as how they handle. Uh, COVID procedures. They're really it, harsh on it. Yeah, I think it's like yeah. the harshest place. I think it is. Yeah, Proof of vaccination. Like, if they picked Florida, that shit would be open. Yeah. <laughs> Atlanta, Florida, uh, you could do whatever you want. Like, literally, yeah. people don't wear masks in stores and restaurants. People don't, People aren't vaccinated. Very anti-vax places. Which they're, is, they're requiring it anyway, too. You need the vaccine to play. Yeah. Well, they just... And, I know in... um. Oh, is that by Konami? Konami's doing that? Yeah, I mean, my school requires it too. So I know, uh, CEO, the melee. Well, it's not just me. That's incorrect. It's a fighting game tournament. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, CEO I have melee passed, bias. Right? Yeah, CEO just happened, and CEO's in in Florida. And what they did was you either have to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. I wish the negative um, COVID test was used more instead of forcing vaccination. Yeah, so CEO did like negative COVID test or uh, vaccination in order to get in, and that you know that just passed. Yeah. Now yeah. also, and here's something, and I don't know. Uh, afterwards, like one or two people came out to say like after the event they were like, "Oh, I got COVID after the event," and people started snapping. But my thing is, regardless of what it is, even if everybody shows proof of vaccination, people you have to take their own responsibility. If you go to an event with over a hundred people. You got to take your own responsibility and realize, listen, this is, it's a possibility. Yes. Like you can't, don't, don't act crazy if you get COVID. If you took listen, it upon yourself to go to this big ass event, you knew what you were getting. There's going to be 2000 people minimum at Pasadena for the YCS. And every single one yeah. of those people is supposed to be vaccinated. It is highly likely that someone is going to get COVID following that event. Realistically, yes. 
just based on the fact that there are 2,000 human beings gathered in one place. That is just... You, you got to take responsibility for your own health. That's all. Yeah, that is just what can happen. Even with everyone being actually vaccinated, like assuming that everyone is legitimately vaccinated, not just showing a vaccination card. But like, yeah, it could happen. A card. Yeah. But everybody's sick. There's these uh, remote YCS, so... Yeah, so I mean, yeah. it, it like anything could happen. If you go to an event with 2,000 people, you know the... The risks, like you take those risks, and yeah. To be, but to be fair, before COVID, every time you go to an event, people come home sick. Oh, you, you always come so home sick often. after an event, dog. Every time I went to a YCS, I pretty much would come home and have like a runny nose and a sore throat or something. I'm like, oh god, I'm getting a, a YCS cold. But yeah, I'm yeah. excited for in real life to return. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's funny you said melee too, because I feel like Yu Gi Oh's like melee. In ways when it was like up and coming, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it will ever blow up like that. Like with Master Duel, maybe, but yeah, well, Master Duel could be huge. Like I don't remember Unity. I don't remember if it was on stream or not. But me and Fraser just talked about this recently. I can't remember if we were on not. I'm sorry, not stream. I don't remember if we were podcasting or not. Uh, but we talked about that recently and like why, like what the differences are and how they are similar. And I think, unfortunately, the thing that holds Yu Gi Oh back is the fact that. Konami has always been a part of Yu-Gi-Oh! So something that a lot of Smash plant fans complain about is how Nintendo never helps them out. But Nintendo never helping them out actually helped them in a way, because they got to set their own rules and build their own tournaments. And now when Nintendo comes in, Nintendo plays by their rules. Whereas because Konami was always part of Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, they kind of hamstring some of the progress Yu-Gi-Oh! could make in, uh, in the way it handles certain events and tournaments and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo's just, like, such a bigger company, too. It's, like, way more leverage to, like, franchise, like, any Melee character. Yeah, yeah, you gotta think about the fucking Smash Ultimate. It's just Mugen at this point. For people who don't know what that is, for people who don't know what that is, it's a fighting game back in the day that just had every character, because anyone could just kind of create a character and put them in the game, essentially. So Smash Ultimate has, like, Sephiroth, Cloud, Ken, Ryu... Uh, Duck Hut Doll, Steve, Steve from Minecraft, like all these, like all these Fire Emblem characters, all these Pokemon, just like a real, it's really all over the place as far as who's in a banjo and Kazooie, like it's a very random game. And uh, for yeah. fighting games, play uh, online, you have to go to land events, just like Yu Gi Oh. You know, like they yeah. have the same thing with their Japanese players. They probably don't know who they are. Yep, they never play. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, the similarities between the two games. I, I've always thought about like how fighting games and Yu-Gi-Oh and then the skill sets you need are like very different because we have, so Kenny's cousin is one of the top melee players. He, especially before the pandemic, he was like ranked 35th or something in melee. 32. 32. 32. Yeah. Being top 100 is an insane accomplishment. Yes. Like so that's he, so hard. Yes. Yeah. He, so, uh, his name's Stango. If anybody doesn't know, but yeah, he was top 30. He was ranked like PGR ranked, uh, 32. Yes, so Stango is really, really good to be able to be in a top 32 of, like, Melee, of all things, right? Yeah. That game is extremely difficult to play, and we play uh, another card game, so he's recently been getting into Yu-Gi-Oh!, so I started him off with Goats, just to, like, show him the very basics. Yeah, they love Yu-Gi-Oh!, the Melee players. Oh, it's so random. So he he loves Yu-Gi-Oh!, he, he asks me to play all the time, and I usually just, like, decline, but I'll have him play one of my other friends, and then I'll spectate and tell him what he did wrong, which I find to be way more fun because I hate playing goats. But I love spectating and I love commentating. Um, so anyway, the skill set that he uses for melee, because he used to misplay so often when he would play Yu-Gi-Oh! And I, and I kept telling him, like, I don't know how 
your brain just comes to these ridiculous like conclusions on what to do. But then when you play melee and I watch you, you're like a god. And so it took a while, but I realized what was happening. For melee, the skill set that he uses is instinct. And he's playing because the game is extremely fast. So his decision making is extremely fast in melee. And it's almost like he's not he doesn't even have to think. It's kind of just like I'm reacting off of instinct. In Yu-Gi-Oh, a game where you literally have like time to look at your hand, analyze the field, you're not really rushed to make a move. Yeah, it's all foresight. It's all foresight and it's all planning ahead. Whereas like, yes, obviously in Melee, you definitely have to plan ahead, but it's not to the same degree that you do in the game that's like Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, and you also don't... RPG, you know, you're taking turns. Yeah, and you also get so much more time to react in Yu-Gi-Oh. Like you get a lot of time to react. Like somebody goes summon a monster... You can think, do I want to torrential? Do I want to bottomless? Do I want to just let the monster be summoned? Like you have, there's like three decisions right there. Yeah. The fighting games are like sports. Like, cause a 12 year old can be better than like someone who's been playing for 12 years too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting. I was like, oh, your skill set in melee doesn't really apply here. Like it's not transitory. Like normal, normally, or I should say it, it doesn't transition well into Yu-Gi-Oh! Because normally, if you're good at one thing, you can find ways to try to apply it to something else. And hopefully that works out for you because like if I'm good at Yu-Gi-Oh! And maybe I'll be good at, I don't know, something else that just well, that's what that's what Pat says he does with uh deck building being the same as like running his startup. Yeah. Yeah, you try Seems to apply the concepts, reason. and that that's amazing when you can figure out a way to do that. Uh, but yeah. we were not successful in finding a way to <laughs> transition like fighting game as good as he is in melee, like transitioning that into Yu-Gi-Oh because he, well, his problem in Yu-Gi-Oh here's his, here's his problem. He plays way too quickly. So he'll do something. I'm like, that was a huge fuck up. I was yeah. Like, you're like slow that. down. That's what I tell him. Down. I'm like, slow down. But he, his mind is moving at a thousand miles a second. He's just yeah, like, yeah. he just go, go, go. <laughs> so he'll, the guy goes summon Stratos, like for you know, summon Stratos, and he's like torrential. And I'm like, oh fuck. Like you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least that's the effect. Which effect? Yeah, like well, which yeah. What's funny though is like now if you take that, if you take Stango and Frazier and you have both of them, you know, transition to a different depending on the type of game, they might get good at it. Like if it's another fighting game, or even if it's a shooting game, right? Stango will probably get better at that quicker than Frazier. But if they go if you guys go and play chess, Frazier will probably get better at chess quicker yes. than Stango. Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. I would wager I would be much, much better at chess than he and I've never played chess in my life, but I imagine a skill set that I have from Yu-Gi-Oh! and also how slow I like to play, I would probably benefit really well in chess and then he would benefit really well in like any other video game that requires hand eye coordination. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I did hop card game to card game. I played Hearthstone really competitively. I got invited to one of those tournaments, um Artifact. And even like the Arch and Saga Gems game, yeah, I, I went because my friends were in town for his event, which was like ten minutes away from me. So I just went to their hotel. They give me a deck to uh, just like try to like learn the game with, you know, for the first time. Yeah, and I just end up staying up that whole night and <laughs> like playing with them like the whole <laughs> night. Didn't sleep at all. Played Swiss of the tournament. Just asked objective questions with like rulings I don't know, and I topped. I got third, and then Damn. you know. Yeah, it was crazy. Like I just learned this game in like one night, and then King I of Games. Tommy Rowe yeah. is the fucking King of Games. But you could do that too. I mean, it's just like any card game. Like it's just yeah. such a transfer. Well, set. it's I funny mean, you say that because I think everything else. Yeah, new so card game. It's funny you say that because uh, a lot of people have noticed, but I, while I have been retired from Yu Gi Oh, 
I have been playing another card game a lot, and it's a DC deck building, and they have like a Discord server, and there's tournaments like monthly, and uh, I have a little posse that we play with called the House, and it's like me, Stango. So Kenny's cousin who plays melee, he's one of the players. Um, he's the newest one that we added to like our little group, like our testing group and everything. But like it's me, Stango, Luke Feeney, and then like uh, two of my other friends. Luke Feeney. Yep. Luke. How's Feeney. he doing? Because he plays Magic, right? He does. He was on a pro tour, but he quit. He quit like all car games except uh, he plays DC with me. So like he plays. So he. Interesting that you brought up him. Uh, he is currently ranked number one in DC. Like the the. the <laughs> See, yeah. Yeah, and I'm ranked number two in DC. And That's crazy. <laughs> I taught Luke. Luke used to come over to my house. So before the pandemic, Luke would come over to my house literally every single Friday and every single Sunday for over a year straight, every single week, and play DC until 4 a.m. and then drive home. Like every single week. So he got addicted to the game immediately. And then we would just play constantly, constantly. So then when the pandemic happened and everything went on Discord and then uh, they moved the game to Tabletop Simulator. And we started playing the tournaments and we had our own little test group. So we don't really play in the community. We don't like reveal any of our um, like secrets and stuff. And then we yeah. play in the tournaments and it's just, it's just me and him winning every single time. Yeah. And Cause you're just playing these out there decks or cause they don't, yeah, they don't understand play. The, the, the community is such, is an infancy. Like it's such a young, like in the way they think about car games and the way they just think it's in such an infancy that I'm using stuff that I learned from like Patrick and Yu-Gi-Oh and shit and just like ruining DC, like ruining the game, like absolutely awesome. make like, <laughs> I, like I just turned it into like something that it was not meant to be like every I, I've gotten so many things banned. Um, I've gotten so many cards like was limited or banned and just like shape the formats because of coming up with these ridiculous ideas uh, that just absolutely break the game. And it's from Yu-Gi-Oh! Like it's, it's my mindset from Yu-Gi-Oh! Being taken into this game that's in its infancy and just ruining it. Like just absolutely ruining the community. Uh, it's so yeah, fun. I do miss that. That's why I was thinking of playing Flesh and Blood. I don't know if you've heard of that game. No, is it a card game? Yeah, it's just a new card game that's getting like insanely popular. And my it, friend opened up a card shop just because of that um, market spike, right? With all the card games. Yeah. He's, he got boxes for like $50 each and then he sold all of his boxes for like 60k and he was able to open up a card oh shop with it. So God. it's like this is going crazy. Yeah. I mean, dude, um Look RMC, they're hosting like uh they're hosting MetaZoo events and is the, wait, is that still possible? Can I still can I go buy boxes and sell them for 60k? You just gotta get lucky on a card game, bro. <laughs> it was really the supply chain issues too that made yeah, everything go. That's up. broken. Yeah, it's just timing, but like it's like it makes you want to get into new card games. Yeah, I think getting into things just follow the whole sphere. Getting into things when they're new is definitely the wave because you can establish yourself as one of one of the top players and become really popular on Twitch and like streaming in general. Like even if you stream on YouTube or whatever, you can become really popular from it. And even if you're not the best forever, just a little period of time where everyone remembers you, they'll just you you'll maintain that following. Yeah. yeah card game to card game too like even among us i was watching a lot of among us during the pandemic and i want to say yeah in 2020 like the guy five up he's like my favorite player i will watch his videos on youtube every single day and then i will come home from work or i not come home from work but i would turn my computer off for work and then fucking go on youtube and just watch him play like on twitch or whatever and that would be like what i did after work like i literally would just watch him play uh among us for hours and that shit was so entertaining to me and funny and just and I kept on coming up with like my own concepts of like what people should do and what they should say, like how to lie correctly and stuff. It was really, I don't know. I became like super involved with it, even though I didn't even play Among Us. Like I never even played the game, but I just watched it well, so much. 
It's because you need the 10 people too and you want a good group. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I actually never got a chance to watch it that much. I didn't even really know about it. I think until Gary told me about it. Gary's Frazier's roommate. Um, I didn't even know about the game. Gary told me about it. I, I downloaded it and we started playing. And we, because I streamed, we had like a good group of 10. And I got super into it. I played that game a fucking ton. That game was really fun. <laughs> that game was just perfect for anyone who's like a content creator. Yes, I mean, it's it, so as a Yu-Gi-Oh player too, like the play style, I just wanted to play it like all the time when it came out. Yeah, it's dope. Uh, Gary, our one friend, you could always know if he was the killer because if if a meeting got called and there was already like three or four dead bodies, it was Gary. Gary goes on murder sprees. I don't know how he kills people so fast, but if I saw four people dead, I was like, it's Gary, guys. You got to vote him out. Damn. It's fucking Gary. He kills Gary, people so fast. Gary's tell and... I noticed it too when watching him play because like I've never played it, but again I love watching it, so I will watch him play sometimes, like him and Stango and a couple other people. Uh, whenever he did something bad, he gets so quiet. <laughs> he's it's just hard. Like, like the meeting, it's hard. The I meeting feel the will, guilt too. Yeah, it's like I, I can get all sense, anxious. I sense his guilt. I can, I can smell it. That's yeah, that's it. why that you just gotta be like that all the time. Yes, <laughs> you have to be consistent. So if you're gonna be a quiet person, you have to be a quiet person. If you killed somebody, or if you're a fucking regular person so and, uh, it's that, easier that game's though. probably why i played Yu-Gi-Oh too because like that's how i reconnected with everyone because we had like 10 Yu-Gi-Oh player among us lobbies and then yeah that's i started how... playing duel links and then eventually no, playing so silverman and, and drew and everyone else that goes to my local they're like and sean mccabe started playing again and stuff so they're like listen you keep showing up to locals every week you're going to start playing Yu-Gi-Oh. like <laughs> you can't just show up every single week, watch us play the whole tournament, talk about it, ask about how the cards work, ask about misplays, and then, like, and now I actually understand how, like, I know how, I could, if you gave me a Source Old deck, like, I'm not gonna say I could play it perfectly, but I could play a Source Old deck right now. Like, I've yeah, seen you, so much. You should. You probably see? play it better than a lot of people, you know? See? And I mean, that, Tyree just is playing again. I just talked to him a lot yesterday. Yeah, he topped something recently, too. Yeah, he's getting back into it. I mean, he would be really good. Yep. It's like, yeah, he was always really good. He's one of those people that's blessed. Hashtag win two YCSs in like a year or some shit. Yeah, it's all these like reads you just learn from like playing forever. You yeah. know? Yeah, you get you get like a feeling too. Like people don't talk about that X factor where you can just like feel when your opponent has something. Like you can just feel it. Like, like you, yeah, I, I had to do that all the time with Baron because Baron, you can send it back to the extra deck, special summon a sword soul. Yeah. So you have to decide if you want to go for game or not. And I, I could feel if I wanted to go for game, like yeah. that they just don't have a hand trap to run it. <laughs> yeah, it's so broken. That feeling <laughs> is so scary too, because you'd be like, he has crow. I can just tell. <laughs> yeah, I can just tell in his body language or just something to like he has crow. Yep. You you always yeah, you'll like literally just know exactly what you they just have. feel it. It's like an actual feeling. You have no information on it at all. You just can feel it though. Like the way they're playing or the way they move or just something about it. it's like, okay, I feel it. Like how we test is we're all just in my discord, like watching one person play. So it's like eight of us watching just one person. I love that. And we're all just like talking about it all the time. Yeah. I feel like that's the best way to play test is like, just have one person play. I might jump in your but, discord just cause like, that sounds so fun. I love watching stuff. <laughs> like spectating is my favorite thing. Yeah. We Fraser's just need a, a guinea pig. The guinea say, pig is, I said, damn Fraser's a voyeur. Yeah. I am. I love voyeurism. <laughs> I can't play either, dude. I just like watching. <laughs> like we just needed the guinea pig and we're set. <laughs> yes. Once I, I, once I, yo, it's so funny. Even with DC, the like card game that I really play a lot now, um, my friends are always like hitting us up on Discord, like, hey, you want to play? You want to play? And I'm like, nah, but I'll watch. And then once they get together, <laughs> I'll just fucking watch the game. And then I'll make so I do this thing where um 
you can become an administrator in a game so that way you can see everyone's hand and so i love being on that i love having that power <laughs> so i can just like see like oh he misplayed or like he did this and that yeah just go through like what could have happened to yes. you in your head yep and then I tell them, I help them, I help my group out, and that's how we win every tournament. Like literally. And it's every- funny that that like X Factor too. You can just tell when you're like talking to someone and like watching them play. Like yeah. Kamal, for example, I never really knew him like back when I played, but I can just tell how he reads cards, how he talks about shit that he's like insane. Yeah. You, know? well, you can really just tell with a person. Well, when when we were like Fraser said earlier, he would like was showing Stango how to play goats. Like I played Stango a couple times and. It it didn't take me long to get tired of that format. That format really is doesn't have much going for it. Yeah, but boring. I played mm-hmm. him a couple. I can't play it. And every time we played, right, Fraser would be watching, and <laughs> I would <laughs> on dueling where I can't see their hands, so I can't yeah. see. Yeah, can't see my hand. He can see uh, Nick's hand because Nick would be like streaming on Discord, and so we're playing, and he's helping Nick, right? And then, so Nick would get really worried about something, and then he. He'd be like, well, he just, like, he just said solemn. Like, you know that's solemn? And Nick's like, how do you know that's solemn? He's like, well, it's it's solemn. Kenny, it's solemn, right? Like, I'm like, I'm like, Frazier, I don't know what you're talking about. But every <laughs> single time I set a card, he would know what, he's like, oh, that's ring. Like, every time. Every so, time I, so, or I would set cards and he would get scared. He'd be like, well, he, he'd be like, Nick, those cards aren't real. He didn't set real cards. Yeah. There was one time where you set three back row and uh, Stango got real defensive in his play style. And I was like, what are you doing? he was like uh he just had three backer i was like they're not real and he was like, <laughs> he was like how do you know that i was like because last turn he had no back row and then you're telling him he drew one card and set three <laughs> i was like i was like i bet you one of them is real at most and the other two are bullshit and when the game ended i said can you flip up your back rows and it was no one to cross out a dead premature burial and one of them was a soccer to armor <laughs> You could be taking people's money in goats. Yeah, like I, I think I would easily be good in goats. Like no question about that. Because like it's a very slow format. I do really well in that situation, and I also played in that actual format, even though it's warped now to like people playing shit they did not play back in 05. But like I even follow the way goats works now. Like I understand the concept of goats now. I'm like, sure that's why you feel like it's boring. That's why I feel like it's boring too. Cause it's just like, there's nothing to really think about. It's like solved in the goat mirrors. It's like, I'm just waiting for heavy storm, premature burial yep. and BLS. Yep. And then I'm going to kill them. Yes. <laughs> like no I'm, matter what, I'm going to establish such a board that is unbreakable. And it's just like, that's the game. Like, what do you want from me? Or I'm playing with morphing jar. Yeah. And that's just my thing. Or I'm going to trap dust at you and fucking you're, you're just, you're dead. Like, Put your sinister serpent back, or put your BLS back, and you're just you're done. Like, what are we doing? It's also just degenerate. Like, pot graceful and delinquent duo is fucking degenerate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I would always play without those three when I would like do money matches. Nice. It's like how we started doing the gentleman stuff in Yu-Gi-Oh in real life. Yeah. yeah. We started being like, oh, side out Jin, like take out emptiness, like all that stuff. Why not just make some more competitive? You like get out rid of the blowout cards so we can actually see who is better. Yes. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> In melee, like in melee, they would uh like Sheik dittos. They'd like no chain grabs. They would like agree to no chain grabs because Sheik dittos would come down to just you get a grab and then you can just there's no way out of the chain grab. And so even in high level tournaments, people would agree to like no chain grabs for Sheik dittos. Damn. Uh, Tommy, something I wanted to ask you is what what was your first top in Yu Gi Oh? Um, besides Dragon Duels, because I played like Dragon Duels all the time. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about Dragon Duels. Um, I think it was ARG Philly. Okay, ARG Philly. I'm trying to think what what was the format for that. 
Um, I think it was when they made your math. I think that's oh, like God. like literally that event. Why'd you bring that up? Because <laughs> I love that Matt. <laughs> I, have, I used yo, to have like so many events. <laughs> I have like twelve copies of it in my house, and Silverman randomly asked me for one like a, a couple months ago. He was like, "Do you have one of those?" And I was like, "Actually, I do. I just have to find them." And they were under my bed. But yeah, <laughs> that that iconic. yeah. Oh, I think I know what it is now. So I think that was like people were playing Mermail. Gear Gear. Yeah, I, I think, think that's Christian right when Lights weren't um. Or yeah, no, yeah, I'm thinking of another ARG Philly. But no, there's right. two Lice ARG Phillies I topped. Yeah, Lightsworn definitely did top the one because I remember I played Hoban. He's playing Water, uh, or no, I was playing Water. He's playing Lightsworn, so he's playing Lightsworn, and I was playing Water at the ARG. And then Christian Georges, I think, won the event. Yeah, he played Ned in the finals, right? Yeah, something like that. So that, was, that was the one before, and then like this dude named Kyle Batello won the second one. Okay, with uh, rulers. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm, it's starting to come back to me now. But that was your first top. Yeah, I mean it was sweet. I was like 14. Yeah, it's just funny how like hard everything felt though too back then. Like it felt impossible at the top. It did. You know? Yeah. What do you think? Um, was your biggest contributor to like success in Yu-Gi-Oh over your course of like 2014 to 2016? Well, like I said, I got that Necros tattoo because like. For example, my GPA freshman year of high school was like, I think a 1.8. Oh and then, God. yeah. So then I played like Necros. I quit like uh, football and basketball because I was just going to every event. I mean, I flew alone like at 14 or 15. And I was just so motivated. Um, I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> well, we were talking about what contributed to your success. Yeah, it was Necros. So like, I just. I played that deck like eight hours every day, just on Discord. My friend would, um, what we would do to test is we would go through like the events and we would just copy the deck list from the like YCS. So we would literally just like simulate like 12 rounds of a YCS and I would play our deck and, you know, doing like that all the time just like taught me a work ethic. Like that was insane. And I just applied that to school and I was just like, I really burned myself out because I mean, uh, my senior year, I had a 4.5, which was like a crazy, you know, yeah. uphill battle. So and you, you're cool. a hard worker. Yeah, definitely. Um, and even like doing sales jobs and all that stuff now, I've just like learned that I need to work smarter than harder and yes. like a lot of stuff. So what are you majoring in in college? Um, business administration. So I go to Ohio State and I'm in uh, Fisher for business. And then okay graduating man nice nice congrats man that's awesome yeah i'm doing the graphic design right now which is weird you're doing Different. graphic design right now you said yeah yeah for my school like that's actually my job oh so and i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> yeah like what is your plan after graduation like you know? i just hate sales so much but i, I think never the route i'll have to go so i will tell you this so i work i'm an accountant i've been accountant for a long time and I do commissions for the people who are salesmen for my company. Uh, they make more money than anyone else who works at the company. Like the amount that salespeople get from commission is so fucking disgusting. It's like someone's entire salary in a quarter, like because they get paid quarterly. Yeah. And it'll just be like, this guy's getting 180 K this quarter. This guy's getting 120 K this quarter. This guy's getting 75 K this quarter. Like it's just so much money. And, uh, they also have a base salary and the base salary is not like their fucking 
a wait. It's not like they're a waitress who gets paid two dollars an hour. Their base salary is like a regular salary. It'll be like yeah, it's like fifty five, sixty. No, 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 no. It'll be like much higher. It'll be like here's eighty eight k. Like here's eighty eight thousand dollars base, and then commission. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like so it's like it's so much money in sales. Like, granted, it is definitely a job that's probably like pretty stressful. I would think. Uh, but if you're good at selling things to people, if you you can sell Ray to a roach, like I'm sure it's a really thriving career for you ahead. Like, yeah, I mean, I just hated. It. I was doing door to door marketing too, which no. is like worse. Yeah, so no, like that shit sucks. I did that for a little bit. Yeah, so Can it was just bad. To people, I was. What sucks is that door to door marketing is not even fun, even if what you're selling is good. Like, I legitimately, I no longer work for Verizon. I have no allegiance with them. However, in where I live, the two biggest internet providers you can go with are Verizon and Comcast. And it's not even close that Verizon Verizon is way better. Yeah. So even though I was selling the thing that was the best, the whole process of it, I I just didn't enjoy it. It didn't make me feel good. Like, I, I didn't enjoy the process of going up to the person's house, knocking on their door, and like I was good at selling it, but I didn't enjoy it. It really, it just didn't make me feel good. It, it felt like it. Just, I didn't like the way it felt. It just, it felt dirty. Even though I, I even though I knew I wasn't selling a bad product, I, I was selling bad products. And yeah, <laughs> I, feel that, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely getting taken advantage of for being an intern. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said I was selling a bad product. So, I was, yeah. One of my first jobs out of college, uh, they tried to get me to do life insurance, like be a life insurance salesman. And I got the, like, I got an interview. I got an offer immediately, which I thought was suspicious because I don't think I was that good at the interview. Uh, and then, and one of the like things, like the first, they had, like this class. It was like all the people who got the offer letters, they came. And they had like a little class thing where this, this, I guess he was a broken salesman. He was like amazing or some shit. He like gave a speech and he was, he was so good at public speaking. He was just so confident up there talking to us. And he was like, you know, this job is what you make of it. You can make a lot of money. You know, you can make, you can make 90 K a year. You can make 200 K a year. Like it's really up to you. But then he started saying shit that scared me. He was like, when you're out at dinner with your friends, like you gotta be like, Hey man, like. You know, I know you and Rachel just got married. Have you guys gotten life insurance yet? Like, you know, you want to make sure your kids are taken yeah, care of. And yeah, when he started, yeah, yeah. when he started talking like that, it just was like cringe. I was like, that is so fucking cringe. Like, I don't know if maybe I'm just one of those people who can't deal with like awkward situations like that. But trying to sell your friend life insurance at TGI Fridays is wild to me. Like that is. Yeah, I feel like we're exactly the same. That <laughs> is fucking. Like those I are would, the tells I looked for, and like they just gave me them. You know. Yeah. I I turned down a job. This guy, I was going to get this years ago now, but uh. It was it was also insurance. I think it was I want to say it was I don't think it was car insurance. I don't, actually don't remember what kind of insurance it was, but it was an insurance job that I ended up turning down because basically the same thing. He was like, what you got to do is build up your base, blah, 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 blah. He's like, what you want to do is uh, write down like 100 names of people that you know, your mom, your dad, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, your friends. And you want to go to all of them. You want to convince them to do their insurance through you instead of who they're doing insurance through. And it was this whole thing. And I was like, man, that just feels like, I'm not trying to lose all my friends and family make so they don't want to fucking talk to me Man. anymore. Just, like, for a job. Like, it's gonna... You're gonna ruin your life. Like, yeah, you might end up making a ton of money, but you're gonna ruin your life and all of your relationships in that process. Yeah, I'm just not a fan. I was not a fan. 
Yeah, I mean, mine was like uh, paint jobs. Oh, and it was. I had to get like I was interviewing high school and college kids for it too. So like I had to do interviews on top of it, and it was just like trying to convince them to do something that they don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. So if it was more corporate, like I would be fine with that. But you know, as like a college kid, your whole goal is just land a sixty-five k job. If you get that, you're cool. <laughs> yeah, anywhere. You know. Yeah, sixty-five k is you could definitely like, especially if you want to just like live a live comfortably and probably play a lot of Yu Gi Oh. That's decent. Yeah, I want. I just want a bank job. You know. Yeah. This Yu Gi Oh thing is what I. Is gets me the most excited about like way more than when I was playing the shooters. Like it just feels like I wasted so much time doing that because it's just like you get to see people in real life when you play Yu Gi Oh. You get to have like so many more real connections. It's you one of the locals. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm going to locals now too. I I love. I really 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 love uh, nerd. I call them nerd parties like locals. I never realized it until I got older. But you're surrounded by a bunch of like minded people typically. And yeah. you guys just get to have fun, shit talk, hear crazy stories, go out to eat afterwards, usually, like if you have a good group. And it's like one of the most euphoric feelings you could have. It's just so nice to just be at locals. I remember spending every Sunday for 10 years at locals. Like every single Sunday was locals. Yep. And the feeling of going to like Chili's or TGI Fridays or Friendly's, even though these restaurants, like they're not the best, but they're still just like, I'm going with like 10 people. And we're just going to dick on each other and tell crazy stories. It just was oh so good. What I love about Yu-Gi-Oh players is they love to argue and they're like logical about it. Cause like you can't like with my outside friends, like outside of Yu-Gi-Oh, you can't have like arguments about nothing with them because it just doesn't make sense. But with Yu-Gi-Oh players, like they're done to argue about anything. Yes. Yu-Gi-Oh players <laughs> you know? argue anything. I, uh, I had, you know, go, going through life, you meet a lot of people, you make a lot of friends, but then as as time goes on, those people that are friends, you don't have anything against them, but you just talk to them less. And eventually, you just have like a core group of friends that you can talk to. Like my core group of friends, we can argue and talk about fucking anything for 10 hours at a time. Like, that's just like personality trait. Yeah. You're like gamers have. Yeah, I'm very argumentative, so I fit right in. Like, I'm a confrontational <laughs> person, I've always been confrontational. If I think that I'm right, I'll argue. And if I realize that I'm wrong, I'll change my mindset. Do you ever get in those situations where, for example, I'm sure all of us here, you've, you've been able to talk to somebody for a long period of time on a Discord call, talk about some shit. And then you go somewhere else and you talk to somebody and the conversation's dead in the water. And you're like, well, I know I know how to talk. Like, I don't know what the yeah. fuck this person. Yeah. Like, I know I know how to talk. I don't know why this conversation ain't going anywhere, but this fucking person can't hold a conversation. Yeah, that's my dating life. <laughs> well, I, yo, Ty was uh, just so confused the whole weekend because, you know, all we're talking about is Yu-Gi-Oh! half the time. Yeah. Oh, so she yeah. doesn't play at all. Yeah. So someone do doesn't understand it. It's just like such gibberish. It's funny. Yeah. It oh. It's a different language. Oh, I have a dude. Fraser. I don't know if you remember this. There was one time we were coming home from our local. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a tournament that day. It was just we would go there every Tuesday and just play. Yeah. Um. So we're on our way home. We're all on the one of the trains, right? It's like me, Frazier, and like Cairo and Gary, a bunch of people. And we're talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! And we're going back and forth, just talking, talking, talking. And then at one point, somebody literally walks up to us on the train and stops us. He gets in the middle of us because we're standing. And he goes, are you guys speaking English? And he asks us to our face, like, yes. are you guys speaking English? I remember that, actually. And we looked at him mm -hmm. and we were like, yeah. He said, because I understand some of the words you're saying, 
But then you go for like five minutes and I did it. And it was so, because this guy was literally on the bus and he couldn't figure out if we were speaking English or not. I remember that. like, this is a million dollar business idea. (laughs) (laughs) This is all lingo. Yeah. (laughs) Talking in term, very cryptic. Yeah, crypto was, man. I was on, like, it's crazy, man. I The first time I heard about crypto was through a Yu-Gi-Oh player, Alistair. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've heard about him he with told me, uh, crypto and stuff. Yeah, he told me about Bitcoin in, like, 2013 or 2012 or some shit. One of my friends who plays um, Yu-Gi-Oh, he actually got rich off it, like, made over 200K. Damn. Just, from, just because someone at his local who like barely spent money ever was just putting all of his money in it. So yeah. he was like, if this guy's doing it, then yep. it's probably worth it. So he did it and then worked out. I mean, I own crypto too, you know? So, yeah. Me and Kenny, <laughs> we're, on, collect we're, it. we're on that wave as yeah. well. We're just trying to get rich too. Yeah. That's like that's man. literally what it's all about. I don't I need mean, a lot. I don't need a mill. If, if I get a hundred K, I can pivot that for the rest of my life. I can make a hundred K. I can make a hundred K <laughs> <Listen, I need laughs> work. Yeah, for sure. I, I, need, I need a couple mm-hmm. mil. I'm not going to lie. I know Frank needs a mil. Give me knows, one mil, I'm good, right? Kenny knows how much I've been Yeah. Kenny knows how much but, I've been spending. On listen, one mil, I'll never, ever work again. I'll pivot <laughs> one. But 100K, I can have a part-time job and be good for the rest of my life. But I need a couple mil. I'll figure like, it out. I unfortunately like very nice things. <laughs> it is a curse. It's a Basically, how many curse. people have... Uh, million dollar Yu-Gi-Oh collection too you know yeah i bet that a lot of people after the pandemic definitely have million dollar collections like yeah or just even normal people have over 100k worth yeah like i think a lot of people who just collected like everyone who collected i feel like their collections are probably upwards of like two to 300k if they were collecting before 2020 starlight rares feel like the new prize cards i mean that that rarity is really interesting to me it is just all those cards, because like some of them, you like you said, Apple was earlier. That's like twelve hundred dollars now. Yeah, and then like Stratos is five hundred. That just came. Yeah, out. that just. Came I, out. I own a Stratos. <laughs> yeah, Stratos just came out. He's five hundred dollars. Stratos. That's one I want as many as I can get. So I, I literally was going to say that I was about to say, uh, that just came out and it's five hundred. I already know in ten years that Stratos is going to be outrageous. So outrageous because it's yeah. Stratos, like. Yeah. Those people will still be playing that new Stratos was, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's absurd. the The market has has blown up so much, and I don't see it coming down like at all. Yeah, I mean, same with like real estate. Yeah, everything. Honestly, the there's been inflation in every single market that you can imagine. My oh, favorite man. card visually is Ghost Rare Stardust. That I card's love worth Ghost. a lot of money. I, I know. Love I went Ghost through Stardust. So Ghost Rare Stardust over a thousand dollars. <laughs> I traded a Ghost Rare Stardust, or I traded a pack of National Sleeves for a Ghost Rare Stardust. Oh my people. god! It was because it was like from 2009 Nats or something. Okay, and it was unopened and everything. Yeah, I was like 12. Wow, mm. it's funny here hearing these talks. It's like when people say like I traded 1,300 Bitcoin for a slice of pizza. Yeah, literally <laughs> the most expensive pizza in history. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh cards aren't beanie babies. You know, they mm-hmm. might actually go up. Yeah, they keep going Forever. up. It's it's ridiculous. I uh, I knew it was bad in 2020 when my friend Xavier, who's like you know he vends and everything, he was going through my cards because I just have like a ton of cards at, at my apartment and I don't do anything with them because I don't play anymore and I never sold them. So I got lucky, I guess, because he was going through my stuff. And he was like, "Holy shit!" And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Some of this stuff is just so much money." 
<laughs> and he like found like three ulti JDs. That was like one of the first things. I remember that specifically because he's like, you know, these are like 400 each now, right? And I was like, no. Oh. He's like, yeah, you have three of them. They're like 400 each. And I was like, as in, is that retail or is that like, like, what is that? He's like, I can get you 400 each like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And then the next day I got a PayPal for like, like $1,100 or something. Man. I have three first set ulti GD crows in my attic somewhere, like for a fact. Damn. And I got them for like 10 each, but I I know they're just in like a box or something, yeah. but like so many cards are just scattered all over the floor in my attic. And I got them for 10, so they're like 400 each now. Yeah. So the return I, I on investment, like the Ooh. return on investment is outrageous. It's just outrageous. Like I have a first edition secret rare um, Envoy the End. I have a first edition ultra rare dark mission of chaos. Like, and this is stuff that I just found in my closet the other day. I was looking for some DC cards because Luke came you, over this past weekend and I just randomly found like these cards in the closet. You give us the most fun too, because it's like every card can still be played eventually. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, they, don't get, they don't get cycled out like in magic or Pokemon. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or even order. if it's banned, it'll get ratted, and then people will want the highest rarity. Yep, Imperial Order's back and has been back for a couple formats now. And it's... I don't know how that card's legal. Me either. When I found out Imperial Order was back, I couldn't believe it. Was it at three at one point, or was it just right at one? One. Okay. Yeah. If it was at three, it was before Yu-Gi-Oh ever had a ban list. Yeah, I was like, because I'm like, did they just say it wasn't good enough? or No, if it was ever at three, it was before Yu-Gi-Oh ever had a ban list. Uh, it's I get been, it. I get it. Though Mystic Mind's like such an oppressive card too. So. Did you play against that at all at the YCS? No, I didn't play against Scythe at all either, though. Okay, good because that is to- like Mystic Mind is toxic. I, me and Drew, Drew was like, oh, I want you to play like uh, play against this kid real quick at locals last Thursday. So he gave me his Drytron deck, and he basically Drew just basically played like I was holding the cards, but he told me everything to do, and. I made this ridiculous board. I DPE'd and then I siphed on a draw phase and like I had all this other shit up. And then the guy goes like Mystic Mine. And I lost. Yeah. It's just a gimmick. But did he like deck you out too? Yeah, well Drew was just like scoop. I don't have an out. And I was like, Are you serious? I was like, we spent literally 10 minutes making that board. Yeah, it's just such a gimmick. He's like, that's just game. Because when I first read it too, I didn't even know graveyard effects don't work. Like you can't use anything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just toxic. It just completely stalls the game out. And then some people are like, "Well, I don't actually try to deck you out. I actually wait until I have enough resources to kill you," which is smart. Um, but it's still toxic as fuck because it forces people to main deck like one really bad main deck card. Like you play like Harpy's Feather Duster or some shit, and that really yeah. sucks because you're only playing that card for Mystic Mind. You're not playing that card for anything else. Man, you just have to. Yeah, that I don't I don't like having to make decisions like that. Like I'll just play the whole tournament with no out to it in my deck, in my main deck anyway, and then just hope for the best. Like Invoked is a really weird deck too because you can play three extra deck cards that just like destroy it. Because I heard about that. Like, two of your extra deck monsters. To the what, grave. Are the, what are the cards that you play? Because I heard someone said it's scary to do it against. So you send Natis and Cyber Dragon Nova because you can make the chain links to chain link block them with the Mechaba they have. Yeah. So they have Mecha Boss, so they have to negate the Natis because that would destroy a card. And then your Nova special summons a fusion monster machine from the deck, so you special Mecha Boss. Oh, shit. And it's just like, yeah, that's a blowout, right? Yeah, that's just... For one game. game. Yeah, that's just game. But that deck's only, like, it's not that played, so you can't do it. 
So how's the mirror match? Because don't they play those cards or something already? Like they play Natus and all that? Yeah, the mirror match is just awful. I imagine. Are there some of those in top cut? Yeah, there's two in top 16. Um, I think five top 32. Okay, so nine Sword Soul, two Invoked. Two Sky Striker and Plunderies, Numeron, and um, Gadget, uh, Eldritch. Which what? is like, it plays Cyber's Gadget, which is like a one-card scythe. Cyber's Gadget? I don't know what that is. I don't even know what it does either. I just, like, because I was just, I thought originally when I read that, that it was green, yellow, red Gadget. That's what I, I thought like, you I, Listen, <laughs> I was about to pop off because I thought that you were telling me that Gadget's top in 2021. Yeah, that's literally what I thought. I was like, does he just search them for, like, you know, a little beat stick in a monster? Yeah. Because I played, that was my first deck with Stun Gadgets. Yeah, I didn't know what you meant by that. You actually, like, got me a little scared at first. I was like, how the <laughs> fuck could get, I was like, if Gadgets are playable, I'm coming back. And not even yeah, to play gadgets, gadgets, just because I, I refuse to accept gadgets being playable. You just want to knock all the gadgets out of out of the tournament. Yeah, I'm fine. I, I, I'll consider it a win if I knock all of them out. It's like I, I don't want any of y'all in here. Yeah, y'all aren't fucking playable. Like gadgets, but yeah, it's interesting where you deal with ultimate offering. The yeah, ultimate offering come back, and it could be at three, and it would just be irrelevant. I think he plays ultimate offering. I don't know. Wait, no, that that's just when I thought he played yellow red. I was like, he has to play ultimate offering. <laughs> these came out was uh offering gadgets you summon three utopias and a roach yeah yeah i remember that (laughs) that was the shit back in the day when the game was much slower you had time to set trap cards yep yeah that's funny as hell you get us pretty fun though right now i think it's fun uh, it's like the right amount of time to learn stuff and you know uh, you don't have to play test too much, which I like. You can just like build the deck still and do well, which is awesome. Have you been on Dueling Book a lot? Like you said, just watching people. Um, I like it's just you have to get a high rating to play against good people, so I don't do that. Yeah, uh, I'm usually just like way too busy too. Like I didn't test really the week of the YCS. That's why I was surprised at top. Sometimes. Like I just didn't play for like seven days because I had finals. Yeah, I can't imagine the grind on dueling book is not would not be fun. Like to grind, like all the grind you'd have to do to it's get up. It. For any new player, they should definitely like their first goal should be rank one on DB if they want to be good. You know, because yeah. you have to yeah. Do the grind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, but yeah, Whew, man. I'm saying like for you, like if you wanted to, or if somebody who was already really good, grinding through all those all those dregs, it's got, it can't be fun. Yeah, it's just not real, too. The good thing is, like, fortunately for players like Tommy and I, we have that fast track. So we can just, at any point, come back to Yu-Gi-Oh! And all of our friends who either continued to play or are really good will just fucking hook us up with all of the the goo. Yeah, the free info. Like, like I get just the, Yeah, I get to skip up. so much. Like, even, even though I don't play, I get told so many crazy interactions and plays by people who are playing at a high level. And I'm like, I, I get... I get the, I understand, but like, it's just lost on me because I'm never, I'm not going to do anything with it. It's just like, okay. Yeah. But if you don't have that, you're just making, like, you're just doing a combo wrong for a whole event. Like you could have an extra card. Yep. You just don't know it because your circle is just not good enough. Yeah. Or your plants are trash. Do you guys know, does Dueling Book have like a win streak bonus? Like if you win multiple games in a row, do you get more rating points? I think just like inherently with the MMR, it does that, but like you don't have an actual like bonus. Like okay. you're just you're just doing better. Okay, okay. 
Because, yeah, that, that can make it less egregious. Like, you know, when you rank up in certain games and they're like, okay, you're just blowing all these people out. Like, we're going we're gonna to give you some more points. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, well, that's that's good, man. It's been really good talking to you. I'm hoping that you actually win this YCS. There's a lot of good people. So winning out of that top 32 would mean a lot, I feel like, even though it's all remote and everything. I know people have their opinions about remote duels, but um, the top yeah. cut is so stacked that whoever wins it, I feel like, deserves respect regardless. I feel like winning that YCS would be like everything for me. Just because yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do YouTube so hard. Like, um, yeah, that's just what I really want to do. That's what like gets me motivated the most. Yeah, you want to be a content creator, which is what me and Kenny are doing. Like, we're yeah, we are con- content creators now. That's how you play for like a living, right? So yeah, be the dream. Yeah, that's yeah. We're doing this. I mean, it's like as long as more people start doing like like creating content, then it's just like going to grab more people in like all outlets, you know? Yeah. Yo, a rising tide, man, raises all ships. Hey. Yo, Yu-Gi-Oh on the map, just like Melee, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> let's you, go, I, I would love for Yu-Gi-Oh to become big, because I'll, I'll jump back in that bitch if, if, it's, if it starts to get too big. Yeah, it's all going to be about Master Duel, I think. Yeah. See, I gotta they have a Yu-Gi-Oh summit. summit? Oh, they have a Yu-Gi-Oh, so if they have a Yu-Gi-Oh summit, I'm playing. <laughs> it's like, I was filthy rich, dude, the... Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments I'd be hosting would be out of this world. Oh, me like, too. Me like, too, Tommy. I would have. Like, I would do what Summit does. Yeah, literally. I would that get a big ass nasty. mansion. I would get a big ass mansion, and I would invite all the best players to come and stream and play for like some crazy cash prize. And there would be crazy little uh, skits and commercials and stuff that we would film with them. And have a or carrot trophy yes just all the shit like if you're rich it doesn't like to you it doesn't matter yeah. and you'll get your return eventually like the content will start to pay for itself like yeah it's just that's what you grow up grew up doing Yu-Gi-Oh deserves it yeah and it, it's it's crazy watching the the melee scene and like the ultimate scene for smash they live off of it like they're so they have nine thousand people on twitch like nine thousand subscribers that's so much money a month yeah, I mean, I, in reality, it makes sense just because, like, they do play insane amount. Yeah. You know, like, 14 hours, especially Melee, you can play forever and still just not be good. So, yeah. like, if people are doing that with their lives, like, you should get... Yo, just recently, Mango did an interview with Hungrybox, and Hungrybox asked him, if Melee didn't, co- if Melee didn't become what it is today, like, what do you, where do you think you would be in life? And he was like, honestly, I would either be in a gang or working at 7-Eleven. Or yes. playing melee while it's like shit, right? Yeah, he's like, if if melee didn't become what it was, I'd just be in a gang or I'd be working at Seven Eleven. Like that, that would be my life. He told the truth. But yeah, it was it was great talking to y'all. Thanks for uh, doing this. Hopefully, I'll do it again. Yeah, well, if you win, oh, I'm yeah. definitely bringing you back. No question. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> I, need, I need you back on the podcast and just talk about what it feels like winning a YCS and all of that stuff. And then the crazy part is, you could win Pasadena too. I know. If I went Pasadena before, I'd, oh my god! Could you imagine that? Top That's like the, that would be the holy fucking grail. I mean, you would be the most that popular Yu-Gi-Oh player tier. on the planet at that point. I mean, Billy did that shit, so it is possible. It's very possible. It's possible. Dog, I'm in your, for you. before you roll out and you're in in the top sixteen that you already know what's coming. Uh, do you feel con? Is there anybody that you're worried about? Is there anybody like man, he's going to be tough, or for the most part, you still feel confident? Yeah, I feel like in this kind of I've I've really tried to get away from the ego for just Yu-Gi-Oh, but like 
everyone in the top 16, you know, wasn't like a god to me when I played. So like they're not like Pat, Tamed, Frazier. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like I deserve the win. <laughs> you know. Nice. Yeah, you feel good, you're not intimidated. That's good. But like, you know, Honey's in there. Jesse Cotton's definitely who I would be most scared yes, of. Yes, Jesse could I know easily... He's yeah. playing like some interesting cards. He's playing Sword Soul too. Yeah, he's playing Sword Soul, but with um Itali and Ghost Ogre. So Oh, okay. Well, um, I'll, you know what I love about you, Tommy? One, I think your biggest skills is that I said it earlier, but you're a really hard worker. You put in the fucking hours and you study. Uh and it's kind of funny because a second ago you were like, Well, I didn't even play test for this YCS like that. But <laughs> But, but I, I did make like a document with my side deck, how so, I would side deck still. No, you know? I, and I know how you are because I actually, so I watch your YouTube videos and I saw your most recent one where you went through all the decks that had topped uh, recently and you just kind of talked about like what they were playing, if it was standard, like the cards that were interesting in the deck and you gave your insight on it. And I, I don't, again, I do not play Yu-Gi-Oh, but I find spectating and just watching content so fucking therapeutic. So I just watched it. It was like a 14 minute video. I watched the whole thing and <laughs> I, I want to learn stuff from it. And two, I just thought, it, I was like, this is actually really good content. I just like hearing people talk about something that they love when you know that they put in the work. So, like, give them Yeah, a it's so opinion. easy for me to talk about that stuff, too. Yeah. Like, the competitive stuff, I can just talk about, like, decks and, like, theory for, like, ever, you know? Yeah, this has been a two-hour like casual podcast. casual harder. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is. yeah, easy. Like, we've talked about, we've been talking for two hours now, and honestly, it feels like no time has really passed at all. Like, besides the fact that I'm hungry as hell right now. Yeah, if we wanted to go into the intricacies of decks, like we could talk for another six hours. Yeah, you know? well, we'll save that for after you win one of these YCS, so or both. Right. And also, you mentioned that you like anime and video games, so you can still talk about a whole bunch of other shit that isn't even Yu Gi Oh. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, we need to talk about that thing. too. Yeah, yeah, I would love yeah, to my girlfriend into anime too. Yeah, yes, I mean, yes, I that's watch, my boy right there. Rewatch Neon Genesis Evangelion. I got my nice. dad to watch it. I got my girlfriend to watch it now. Hell so, yeah. I'm really into anime for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah, we could definitely talk about all that shit. Yeah. But uh what's it called? Shout out the actual name. What's the name of your YouTube channel? It's uh T Roses. So T R O W E S E S. Nice. Yeah. Uh and before we YouTube. go S E S. So before we go, I want to give a quick shout out to our patrons over at Patreon, because these guys are supporting us with their wallets and we love it. Uh, we have mm. Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garen, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tari Tinsley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Dominique Roberts, Giovanni Avalos, Game for Yoshi, and Alex Flamer. Thank you guys so much for being patrons. We just dropped an exclusive episode, a Patreon-only episode today, so check that out. Uh, we have an episode on uh, some of the craziest cheating stories in Yu-Gi-Oh! is a Patreon-exclusive epi- mm-hmm. uh, video that you can see. So check out our Patreon. We also added a new tier recently. Uh, it's our highest tier. So, you know, look up I Am Nerd podcast on Patreon. We also have a YouTube channel where the podcast comes out. It comes out on a delay because I really would like if you guys watched it or listened to the podcast through like Spotify or Google or Apple or anything else. But then we put it on YouTube eventually. So that's why it always a little a little late. But yeah, we have YouTube, Patreon, all that good stuff. You can find the podcast everywhere. We have a link tree. And then there's also a Facebook page. So like the Facebook page. If you like the content, you don't necessarily have to become a patron. But you can just share it or tell people about it. Word of mouth goes a long way still these days. So, yeah. Hell yeah. And as I always say, do the things that make you happy. And what makes me happy uh, is going to subscribe to my man Tommy here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's, let's no, do Yu-Gi-Oh that. is what makes me happy. That's why I'm doing it. Yu- Yu-Gi-Oh is fucking awesome. All right, man. Well, have a good night. And we will talk after these YCS.
Yeah, after the dub, buddy. After the dub. All right. Thank you.